Hey everybody, it's John, a cut above horror review, episode number 78. We are talking about the Phantom Carriage from 1921. Yeah, man, this movie's over a hundred years old. So uh hopefully everybody had a wonderful holiday season and enjoy episode number 78. Of a cut above horror review, The Phantom Carriage 1921. It starts right now. Bork, 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 bork. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening, and welcome to a cut above horror review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be discussing the film The Phantom Carriage from 1921. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. What's going on, Hydraberg? Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, John. Jacqueline, Hello. I missed you so much. I missed you guys too. <laughs> Seriously, there was really a void in my life. For the past two weeks uh, since I was uh, sick and unable to be on the show. So um, I missed you. I missed you. I'm so happy to be back talking with my boys. <laughs> Thanks for holding down the fort for me. And thank you to our wonderful guest hosts, Anna and Bob from the past two weeks who filled in and kind of rounded us out a little bit. Not that you two wouldn't have done a great job on your own, but I think I think it's nice to have three. Uh, yeah, that's the magical number, I think. Yeah. So, but I missed you guys. How you been, Hydraberg? I'm good. I I, I kind of made a mistake though. I watched the Phantom Menace. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a Star Wars movie. I thought that was what we picked. Uh, yeah, that's uh I'm sure you can find another podcast for that if you want to discuss uh, that. That's too bad. <laughs> so I have we'll a just leave you out this week. We have a reach around about the force and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy. Uh, well, uh you know, you catch up, catch up. I mean, they're practically the same. You could yeah, probably, yeah, sure you could probably just talk about it, you know, both just as easily. They're practically the same. Okay. And next up, it's John. I missed you too, John. Jacqueline, uh, we miss you so goddamn much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. Uh, we're so happy that you're better. I am better. I'm not 100% better, but I am better. Yeah. It's that time of year where I'm sick with something new every week, but uh, I'm definitely like way, 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 way less less sick than I was last week. So Sure. Like I can speak and sit up. So those are pluses. Yeah. We needed you back. <laughs> well, I don't I know about that. You did fine, but um, no, Jacqueline, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back thank you so much um i'm not entirely convinced that you did need me because i've heard a lot of great feedback about the past two episodes specifically (laughs) so i'm not really so sure but uh but regardless i am happy to be back because it's not um, the same without you (laughs) well if nothing else um you just you missed bob gave uh he gave the lodge a 10 out of 10 oh man i missed did bob really yeah he loved that moment Changed his, his total tune Oops. that he had when he first reviewed it on his show. It just it just took a cut above to make him <laughs> yeah, see the light, it right? It hit him differently this time. <laughs> right? Well, whether Jack- whether listeners missed me or not, I, I missed being able to just watch horror movies and talk about them with you guys. And so uh, that's like a really important part of my life. It's uh, 
it's it's something that's like just for me it's my friendship bonding time that I have with you guys and honestly this is like the most regular social interaction I have in my life and so not to have that it's like it you know I was physically unwell but it kind of affects my mental health too when I don't have that that friendship connection that I that I normally have on a regular basis so um it's very uh meaningful and, and happy for me to be able to be back here with you boys so we love you, Jacqueline. Um, <laughs> sh- should we spoil what Jacqueline gave Krampus? Oh, or sure. At the end, it's go not, ahead. We'll, we can give let's you do it here. now. All right, jingle oh, I'm not balls. Gonna... Jingle balls. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll I'll make it quick. Uh, I give this eight out of ten jingle balls. I really like Krampus. Honestly, the only thing that I really hate about it and that makes it not like a great, great film, in my opinion, is those fucking gingerbread men. I hate them. (laughs) I hate the ginger. Some people really liked it. It's like for some people, that's like a very charming aspect of the movie. Fucking hate it. I've hated it since the first time I saw it in the theater and i just i if they would just take that out i would be so much happier i'll be honest i didn't love them the first time i saw the movie i thought they were a little silly compared to like the rest of the setting the, yeah. uh, like, the aesthetic doesn't match the tone yeah so they are a little silly i've, I've i like them better this time but they still kind of stand out a little bit yeah yeah it's the worst part of the movie it's very distracting yeah. in my opinion that's all i've got to say other than that i love it i think it's an annual classic agreed thumbs up yeah yep <laughs> I gave it a nine. I was, <laughs> I was the high score. So I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable. No, I just yeah, we all rated it around the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I do understand I was on a little bit of an island with the lodge, however. That you were. <laughs> and I really wish you were on the episode for that. So you could tell. <laughs> What'd you give the lodge? I gave it a 7.5, I think. Oof. Yeah, I really, I honestly, I I do not understand why people hate it. I, I okay, don't so this is it. the last uh, show Some that Jacqueline's really like going to be on as host. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, that's what's going to do me. Yeah, I poultry can, guys, poultry guys. guys. Yeah, that's where I would have drew my line, to be honest. <laughs> but, I picked uh, some no, bad some movies this year. <laughs> some people put the lodge in their rotation, their their yearly rotation now for Christmas films. So I get that. So I don't. I I wouldn't go that far personally. It's not like an annual watch for me, but I think it's a good little thriller. I think it's a good, effective little thriller. I think it creates some good atmosphere. I think you know it. It's not perfect. I think. Um, there are some things that defy believability and, you know, or at least stretch yeah. believability. Um, I mean, I don't think they're like complete affronts to our intelligence or logic as I think Bob does. Uh, if, you know, if he still feels the same way that he felt when I heard uh, their review on straight chilling, but um, I mean, I don't think it's absolutely like insane. It's it. I guess defy believability is too strong of a word, but stre- stretches mm-hmm. believability. But it's not like impossible. Well, he boosted it up a, like a smidge, I guess. Right? What did Hershey he end up giving it again? I uh, forgot. He gave it a one. I think he a one. Jesus H. Christ. I think he's, I think he this just is just like, like that movie and he stuck to his guns. I, I think this is almost a shtick with him at this point. I feel like this is just a thing he's decided and now it's part of his personality. And like, even if yeah, he, he gave it a one, 
even if he secretly started to like it, I don't think he would ever let on. I think he'll go to his deathbed insisting that he hates it. So yeah, John and I, I just, came in around a four point five. That I can sort of that I I can I mean I think it's too low. There's just some but things that take me understand. out of the film. Yeah. I think it's well crafted and yeah. like you said, there's there's some cool thriller elements. I feel like they just tried a little hard in certain areas that just for me didn't land, but I can see why people like it. I just think like a one is like an indicator yeah. that it's a bad movie. Like I can understand not liking this movie, but I don't think it's like a fucking trash movie. Right. I, I, it's like this movie went to Bob's house and lit a, a bag of dog shit on his on his uh, yeah. fire. I, and put it and on Heisenberg, it, it, it felt like uh, somebody was saying, you know, class of Nukem High too, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I feel I, like Bob I, probably likes that better. No, he's just, just saying like a super I, lowbrow movie like no, that. I don't like, think I don't think Bob likes trauma much. No. No, I think he might have I mean, class of Nukem High too of a we one should as do well. A I think that would be. Um, we just did. Don't you remember? No, no, but I'm just thinking. I'm twenty twenty three is coming up. Maybe there may uh, be something I, happening. I still got PTSD from the last trauma film we did. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm anyway. just kidding. Fair enough. Uh, we did get Bob to come up higher on his score a little bit for Suspiria 2018. So, you know. How about we, we how about we invite Bob back next time for a movie he doesn't hate? Yeah, we can do that. That, that might be nice. Hey we, should have him, hey, we should have him on for Scream 6. <laughs> I'm sure he'll like talking about it. I'm yeah, most I mean, likely going to cover it as well. Yeah, at some point anyway. Anyway, I don't want to go on and on about the lodge, but that's my rating, and that's basically why. And I think Bob is just like digging in his heels now. That's all. I can respect it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, you guys want to talk about the Phantom Carriage? We do. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> any news. Uh, my family's over right now. I'm yeah, it's okay. That's I'm all right. We can, we can drop some. We can drop some segments. That's okay. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah. Perfect. So the Phantom Carriage. Why'd you pick it, Jacqueline? Uh, I, well, a couple reasons. I wanted to try to find something that had something to do with New Year's. And there's not a ton of stuff out there, but I kind of found this by accident when I was just Googling around. Hold on. Hold on. Tickets. Tickets. Give me your tickets. (laughs) It has been one year since the birth of tickets. Tickets. I don't know why. That's just one of those moments that has always, that is just going to stick with me forever. Uh, If you don't know what we're talking about, go back a year in our episodes for our episode on New Year's Evil, Mm -hmm. which I still love and uh, hope I can find time to watch this week. Uh, But yeah, so listen to that episode and you'll understand our little running joke about tickets. Tickets. So yeah, that was a year ago, but uh, yeah, so I was trying to find something related to New Year's. Um, I didn't want to do another Christmas movie because today's the 26th and yeah. Um, besides, I feel like we're already going to run out of Christmas movies by next year, so I think we need to slow it down. Um, <laughs> and also, I I would like to include some films that are older and, you know, kind of vary the, I have more variety kind of in like time periods and countries where these films are made I'd, I'd like just to have some variety so i thought ah, you know we haven't done a film even anywhere near as early as this one before it's a 1921 silent film so let's try something different 
So sure. I thought it'd be fun to talk about. Like I'd never seen it before and like it or not like it, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. So here we I, are. I've got my bum on the Swedish. Okay. <laughs> I see I thought you had seen it because it just like kind of it jumped out at me as like a Jacqueline pick when I saw it on the spreadsheet. Right. So I was like, oh, this is probably something that she's like she's liked for years and she wants to share with somebody. <laughs> not everybody's uh, seen it. I felt no, the same it, way. I yeah, just, I was like, oh, this is probably her seen this movie. It was her I, I had not... wind down film she likes to watch every year. It's it it has not been. I've never seen it before, but I it I agree with you. It is kind of a Jacqueline film. Watching uh-huh. it, I was like, oh, this is kind of a me film. So you guys were not wrong. I'm kind of glad that. it's a New Year's film too, because I I went into it thinking it was Christmas themed, but then I was like, oh no, wait, it's a uh, it's got New Year's vibes to it. So mm-hmm. I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So perhaps we should decide if this movie fucks or sucks. Uh, Jacqueline, you picked it. <laughs> Yeah. Going into uh, the New Year's. This, I would say this is a silent fuck. This is a fuck from back before people knew they could make noise while fucking. So, yeah. <laughs> this is a, like, mom's home kind of fuck. Like, you gotta be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that's, it's a silent fuck. Okay. <laughs> Hydroberg, what say you? Uh, for me, this is a fuck. Uh, but it's a little bit of a, like you said, it's a quiet one. That uh, I don't know that I'll ever fuck again, but um, but man, it, it does pull off a powerful climax. Okay. Yes. All right. I see what you did there. <laughs> John, does it fuck uh, or suck for you? Yeah, it's, it's a very par- powerful silent fuck uh, <laughs> where you just like, oh, that person's enjoying it or both people are enjoying it, um, <laughs> but it's silent. Mm-hmm. So Doesn't need to be noisy to be a good one. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm I'm already kind of pleasantly surprised that you guys both fall on the fuck side of things. So cool, John. You yes. Hit us with a spoiler warning so we can spoil it. 1921, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, talking about the Phantom Carriage from 1921. If you have not seen this movie, pause podcast. Come back to find out what we thought about it after you watch it. Otherwise known as uh, Kurt Carlin? Yeah. In Swedish? In Swedish? Swedish? So, so the director was the main star of this? Uh, yeah. No, no. Uh, one of the writers, I believe. Uh, maybe was he the director also? I think you're right. I didn't. Wait a minute. I forgot to write down director, but I wrote, <laughs> he's a writer... But he this is how the sausage is made. David Holm, right? David Holm is the character's name. Correct. Yeah, the but director oh, yeah, the was also the director. actor. Yeah, he played David Holm. Oh, I. You know what? I somehow missed that. I, yeah, for, I, I, yes, I, I'm I, in charge of trivia. I noticed <laughs> it when I when I was writing everything down for cast, but I forgot to write director down. Oh, man, I did. I did not pick up on that. He was I also failed. one of the the writer. He wrote. This Welcome movie. back, Jacqueline. <laughs> I'm in fine form, obviously. Yeah, it's been a while. We're getting back on the bike. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although it was based on a novel by a, a yeah. female author, so. Nice. Was it really? It, it is, sure yeah. was, and I have uh, info about that. So can we start that with that, please? Oh, because okay. it's, it's a silent movie. I mean, it's uh, there's yeah, not but much first, we can get. Yeah, but first, I want to hear Heidelberg's reach around. I was going to do oh, it all shit. in oh, Swedish. Yeah. Sorry. You're gonna do it in Swedish, okay? Yeah. 
You learned work, Swedish work, just jerk, to write work, this? Work, 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 work. I thought it was going to be silent. I thought he was just going to sit there and go. I thought about it, but I didn't want to have any dead air on the pod. God forbid somebody turns the episode on. Oh, my God. How moment. funny would that have been, though? We'd lose a I listener. I thought it would be funny if he just sat there silently and John, you pulled some of the soundtrack and just played it like the little musical yeah. score. Like a guitar going brown, 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 A little violin action. But I do have a reach around that I wrote. Oh, okay. shit. All right. Go ahead. Whenever you guys are ready. Hold on. Let me mute my mic so I don't lie. <laughs> she did. She did. You should probably mute yours too, John. Okay. All right. You guys ready? Give me the thumbs up silently. Okay. We begin this story with Sister Edit, a saintly soul I give her credit. Filled with faith that's built on tenets. Her faith in God, she holds it sacred. Belief in man, she wears it naked. Her truest test, a man named David. A drunkard who hit rock bottom. A visit from death, his actions brought him. A lesson learned, this writer's taught him. His past mistakes and where he's been. On a search for missing kin. His outlook on life was rather grim. Reaper came to judge his sins. But an angel tries to save his skin. Time and time again. David seems to like his cage. To the bottle he was a slave. Filled with regret, consumed with rage. His life was saved by a selfless sage. Redemption for mistakes he's made. Through her death, his soul was saved. No longer has to feel disparaged. Through Edith's love, he fixed his marriage. And dodged a ride on the phantom carriage. Wow. Yes. Great rhymes, it. my friend. Holy I cow. I love it. Very good. Um, Your family sounds movie, like they loved it too, John. This movie <laughs> was so fucking sad. <laughs> I, mean, I agree was, with you. It's it, a it very was sad. Time. Yeah. It's it a bleak like, time. Um, I don't know what copy you guys watch. I know that Rob from... Uh, Circle of Jerks. Shout out to yes. Rob. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, Rob, for giving that. Um, it mixed between like a sepia and a blue. Well, blue represented when they were outdoors. Outside. Right, right, yeah. right. But And the but amber. You guys the saw amber the color same was... thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it was same like a, it was a warm. Like yeah, you watched the yeah. Criterion? To blue. Channel? Yeah. What? You watched it on Criterion Channel? I didn't. Was, yeah. Oh, did you watch it on YouTube? No, I watched it on this uh, other one that was like, uh, you know. Uh, somewhere I else. Forgot. Yeah, it was somewhere else. Sounds like it was the same thing. Sounds like it was yeah, the it same was. thing. Though. But I think it was like blue to it. sepia to blue to sepia. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it was pink. I think that was when it was like happy Flashback. times. Yeah. like ha- Yeah. So like kind what? of at the beginning of his marriage before. Yeah, he maybe descended. that's what it was. So yeah. it's like usually ha- like in the music would get happy. So like pink was like when, when things are rosy. Yeah, so. true. Because it was a flashback. So I thought it was only flashbacks. But then there were some flashbacks later that were just amber colored. Like the it was like candlelight or like the uh, the lanterns, you know, Yeah. which I kind of like that. And I like the, the contrast of it. When they were outside, you had that sort of moonlight sort of. Right. Light. Yeah. And it kind of felt warm when they were inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was pretty it, smart effect for, you know, it's 1920 filmmaking. Like, I thought that was pretty cool. I yeah. love the, yeah, I love the, the shots of, like, the phantom carriage coming through. Like, even the water, as silly as it looked, it was like, 
That's pretty dope. Well, yeah, it's ghostly, so it can just kind of go into the water like that. Yeah. It's, it was really cool the way they do it. Yeah, so I think, I mean, just right off the bat, I, I think this movie does a lot of things very impressively, considering lack of precedent, mm-hmm. uh, con- mm-hmm. considering kind of where it falls in film history. Um, it was filmed in 1920 uh, and then released on New Year's Day of 1921. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, good timing, right? Like, good for marketing. Yeah. Uh, so the, the technical skill in creating the look of the phantom carriage with the driver and everything um those were some like new techniques that were used um using like double exposures um, in camera but then also i was reading about this and i don't really understand it but something about multiple layers of the film so that like (laughs) there's moments where in the shot if the phantom carriage and the driver are behind something there can be an object in the foreground that is solid and the, yeah. the ghostly carriage is like behind it but then if it passes in front of that thing it can be transparent in front of that thing so that you so, can see it behind it so there's like multiple layers of film going on and depending on where the object is in the foreground or background or whatever they can make it look you know realistic well, like the- yeah 1921 it was fine i mean look looking at it it looked great but mm-hmm. uh i texted you jacqueline was that the original score um i didn't i didn't know at the time and so i i, I did some more looking into that no the score i don't know what you heard because i don't know where you watched this but on the criterion channel the standard there's so basically there's there's mainly like two different scores that are that are available now one was composed by somebody with the last name by so they call okay. it like BYE so they call it the by score that okay. was composed in 1998 and then there is um oh what is it called i want to say like so- in between like acts, acronym. while you're looking it up, uh, mm-hmm. it was like a bum, 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 uh, almost like a the piano score. But in between the movie, it was almost like a maybe an electric guitar. Or, no, like, I never heard. I heard a lot of know. horns and some string. So, John, you might have heard something. You might have heard something completely different from what we heard because there, I did read something about like an almost kind of metal. Or like rock yeah that was created for, is that what you were hearing that's what i was hearing yeah oh okay so we so watched we didn't different hear that. yeah i watched so, my score was more you know, strings and still, yeah and claire and clarinet yeah, it was actually piano. pretty good it was dark I, I mean what i heard was dark so so there so the main so cr- the criterion channel has two versions available i don't know what you saw hydroberg but the main version that just says like the phantom carriage that's the buy score and then there's another, like in the special features collection on Criterion mm. Channel, they have another version that says with the KTL score, and that was composed in 2008. So the it's... reason for those, the existence of those scores is that up until like the 90s, there were like incomplete prints of this okay. film that were found. And so for them to be screened or shown anywhere, um, people would kind of just like, piece them together and you would see part of it here and part of it there and people just kind of like hodgepodge it together and then at some point there was like a complete print found with negatives or something with the correct color tints and things like that and um 
I think so back in the day when these were shown, there was often like a live orchestra in theaters that would play a score. And so that's not necessarily like found with the film. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you're not going to necessarily have that. That might just be like lost forever. Um, so they they composed a new score for it, the buy version in 1998 to go with this like fully restored, complete print. And then I don't know why the KTL was composed. It's just for like a different version. I don't know. But I, okay. I watched the one with the buy version. Hydroberg, did you watch? Just I think I did. I didn't really notice. I just kind of picked the first one that was up there. Um, then it was probably the buy one because the was, KTL the one score was really good. I thought so, I, too. It changed mood well agreed like it sounded eerie at sometimes and it sounded romantic at times and it sounded yeah. sad when sis when um edit was on her deathbed and stuff like that so i i thought it matched emotions well yeah yeah um, i felt halfway through the movie it was like it it was very dark and then it became sad like yes i think yours yeah. was maybe different but similar in tone and thematically because yeah. ours sounded like that also yeah. for the most part it, it plays out really well with most of the scenes and the themes that are going on there's it's only like a- one scene that got a little zany for me where you know some, yeah there's a scene in the end where he's like axing the door down and it just got really like lots of it got horny <laughs> it, it was just like some weird horns i know they were supposed to sort of represent like the tension of like his wife uh, like being scared on the other side of the door and him sort of losing his mind for a moment there but it just didn't it kind of took me out of it but mm. only mainly because the themes the music every and every other scene was so good mm-hmm. yeah it sounded very at least my version john like it sounded um very much like it could have been composed in 1921 and shown at the during the original theater run yeah you know that's yeah that I, I i didn't watch that one i mean it felt like a uh very much a like somebody getting on the guitar that was like mm. playing john the watched dirt, the rock and roll dirge. nightmare version what's that <laughs> you watched the rock and roll nightmare version <laughs> oh fuck off composed by what the fuck was that guy's name the main character or yeah or I'll get you a he we accept the challenge <laughs> oh god <laughs> Oh, y'all are oh, gonna we kill got me. Jacqueline on that one. Oh lord. Uh, oh, so so oh, by the way, since I've been sick, I also completely unrelated to my illness discovered that I have asthma. So that's that's no that's happening. So, oh. so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I'll it's, try not to cough. You know, <laughs> asthma sucks. I have it, but you know, you can it's doesn't have here's, to you take Here's care. the thing about the movie is that and Heidelberg, I think you and I are the same. Is that watching these movies, we 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 don't really appreciate until we watch. Um, this movie is sad as fuck. It is. Uh, I think it's, but it you know it like owns it. You know what I mean? It's not like no. I feel like it, a lot it, of films it, from back then are either super super zany, happy, or sad. This sure, sure. But I mean, I, I, for this film, I feel like this film. I like that it's kind of sad. Like, it's it reminds me of a Christmas Carol a little bit. The way he sort of that's exactly what I was thinking. It was like, yeah, it's like I think there's different strong parallels. But, I yeah, think there are right. Like, yeah, it, it, it's like the New Year's parallel of a yeah. Christmas story, right? Yeah, it's a a ghostly, you know, a ghostly apparition who's like showing somebody the errors of their lives and how it's impacted people. And uh, and giving them a shot for redemption. I, I so 
I have thoughts about that. I'll I'll kind of save that for a little bit later. But just since you guys no, are go talking ahead, about like, the, the sadness. Go ahead and bring um, it up. So I'll say a couple things if it's all right. First of all, one of the very first things that I noticed, like almost right off the bat when I started the movie, yeah. is how realistic the acting style seems to be. Um, in other, yeah. in a lot of other silent films that I've watched, and granted, I haven't seen a ton, but you know, a handful. Um, the acting often seems to be over the top and like very physically, like overly expressive to kind of make up for the lack of dialogue. Um, a lot of like very wide open eyes and exaggerated uh -huh. physical movements. And in this movie, right off the bat, I felt that it was much more understated. And so that actually made it a lot more relatable to me because it seemed more realistic. And I, um, I, I actually felt like it was more watchable. Uh, no, you're absolutely I think, right. I think that the over-the-top acting actually has the opposite of the intended effect, sure. at least for a modern that's, viewer. That's what know, I was like anticipating when I put it on. To, that well, zany, sort of sped-up look that you well, get from these films. Um, what was it? Four acts? Five acts? Uh, yeah, we didn't five. find out who David Holm was until, like, what, the third? The yeah, second, the second yeah. act, I think. She's, well, we see different iterations of David Holm also. Sure. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And she's calling for him in the very beginning, and you're sort of just sort of like, "Well, who's this David like, Holm guy?" Yeah, Wait. I thought he was going to be like a priest or something, like somebody yeah. that she looks exactly. up to. Or I mentor. thought it was maybe a lover or something, or I couldn't. Like, I, I wasn't sure. Well, I'm with Jacqueline. I thought he was like somebody's somebody that is pure, like mm -hmm. like, yeah. like 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 priest, maybe. Yeah, everybody and so else was surprised to go like, get him. Like they were like, "We can't get David," you know, or like, "We're not." I'm not going <laughs> right. to get David. Like, mm -hmm. but he was a drunkard sitting in the uh, cemetery. So yeah, it was with like, his what? buddies, like telling yeah. tales. And yeah, and this film definitely it has a non-linear sort of um, like storytelling, like that's device the way it tells the story. It's not straightforward. Where we get we get her on her deathbed, but then we get all these glimpses of like how we got to this moment in her life and his life. And how yeah. their lives have sort of intertwined a little bit. I would say yeah. this is that, that like, like anybody that loves like special effects, get that shit out of your head. Watch it through a lens of tension. You know, the, 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 don't worry about the way it's layered on top of each other, like where you see the phantom carriage like driving through the water or. Because that that had no point, right? Well, I think it. I think it did. I well, I think you well, know I'll, specifically the water was to like show off the special it, effects, it, and it's it's committing somebody committing suicide in the ocean, mm -hmm. and the carriage goes. I don't know if it was that or a wreck like that. I thought it was just somebody accidentally drowned. It looked like but... a wreck possibly because I thought yeah. I saw a boat. And so it was like showing the the carriage on his rounds. I just, yeah, yeah. I just feel, I, I feel like, like a male, like, a male uh, or like a newspaper boy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah well, I, I, I just felt like that the Phantom Carriage actually was like, you know, somebody that, or the, I guess the uh, helper of the Grim Reaper. So, somebody that's, why don't we, why don't we discuss the actual mechanics of the Phantom yeah while we're at it because yeah yeah that's definitely there's definitely a decent amount we can talk about with that so sure. i took it as like 
yeah, John, like these these people are the Grim Reaper. Like they're they're like that's like a thing. It's a it's a you know it's a part of life. Yeah. But it's not necessarily like a person, right? It's not the Grim Reaper that we know. They're they're basically the image of the Grim Reaper that we've come to learn about. And it's right. a job that people get. And yeah, and it changes every year. Changes which every is, year. Which is a great story behind that, servicing death. I think it's yeah, a really no, it cool, uh, cool premise. Yeah. And every night that they're doing this job is like 100 years to them. So <clears throat> doing yeah. 365 days worth of this must feel like an eternity. It's like 36,000 years, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, right. um, yeah. And so I, I love the idea that it's like a punishment, right? So it's not just the last person who dies before the stroke of midnight. It's like the last sinner. Sinner, right? Or, yeah, or right. like evil right. person who dies on New Year's Eve before the stroke of midnight. And that person is like burdened mm -hmm. with this job for the next year. Mm -hmm. And then and then they pass the torch. And what I find one of the things I find interesting is that the character of um George, who that's is, his name. I kept forgetting his name when I was yeah, um I, I I'm sure there's like a Swedish way to say that. I'm just gonna George's. say George if that's I think it's work work. Oh, oh, we lost we just, Jack. We just lost ten, ten Asthma attacks. Uh, anyway, so George, he's he's at the at the present day time frame that we're in watching this movie. You know, not not all the flashbacks and stuff, but the present day where um, Edith is on her deathbed, and you know, we're finding out this whole backstory. Um, the current driver of the phantom carriage is george who used to be a friend of the protagonist i can't well i guess protagonist mm -hmm. david um the drunkard who's about to die mm -hmm. and what i find interesting is that when david finally dies and george goes to like pick him up and pass the torch george seems to like so we presume he's been a sinner as well and we learn about his backstory and he had a life of sin and but he seems to have learned some kind of a lesson during his tenure yeah. as the driver of the carriage. And so right. he's offering wisdom to David and saying like, you know, this is what I would wish for everybody in the world, like to, you know, evaluate their own life and pray, pray this prayer on new year's and pray for their soul to mature before it's reaped. And I was just going to say that it's like their souls have not matured enough before right. they yeah. died. Yeah. And so, so he's trying to, to tell job. David, like, you but like you, we just you we, we, we just came out out of christmas right mm -hmm. so it's a wonderful life came what 20 years after this mm -hmm. something like that wasn't it like the 40s I, I, I mean to me it's it's a wonderful life before that actually happened right? yeah it's kind of a reverse right because in right, it's a wonderful right, life, right. isn't he shown like the good impacts that he has yeah. on people and yes how it would have been if he hadn't existed correct that, that's right i haven't seen that very many times well i it, it's the so same kind of, kind of idea of like like live your life to its fullest be a good person and then all of a sudden you'll be fine yeah You'll, like don't live which selfishly. is why this movie was so sad i mean even at the end of the movie it was like man this is sad well it turns out okay right because it does the redemption but... arc for david's character right but like, i think but the really sad. sad part was his wife was gonna kill kill the kids 
Yeah. <laughs> she's going to kill that... herself and the kids because yeah, of her despair. Yeah, like, like pouring that, that, that powder into the hot water and she was going to kill the kids she until was. he came in and go, no, 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 don't do that. So I got to say, you know, it's I, I have to admit, I think it's hard at times to watch this movie without being very aware that it's very old and like yeah, very I mean, far removed from our sure. modern filmmaking techniques. Like it's hard to forget that in that moment where he's his like ghostly self is watching the wife like prepare to kill herself and the children and he's begging george to make her stop and there's he's like there's nothing i can do and he both of them are totally powerless to stop it yep. i was gripped by real suspense it's a really good scene there's a lot of tension in that well, scene george says he he has no control of the living right Over the, yeah he doesn't mess with the life of the living mm-hmm. uh, and he he's uh, he has no ability he's, to he's tied to his duty his forlorn duty correct right? so so he's there to pick up the dead the souls of the dead. Yeah, and, and I mean, traveled and bring them to the land of the yeah. dead, I guess, through the character. He can, he can compel the dead. Like he sure. Can, he can what make he the does. dead do what they have to do. But So does he break the rules by giving David a second chance? Or was David not fully dead yet? But his soul was able to... Cause I think he gave him a second chance. I think he, he gave him a second dead. chance. Right? Like his soul was out yeah, of his body. Yeah, because he took him fighting. Like he had to tie him up, basically, and yeah. throw him over his shoulder. Yeah. Yep. That's how I view it. I think he was like... D-E-D dead, but yeah. that George gave him another chance. I guess so I guess D-E-D? he has the power. It's like a little joke my dad used to yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's so, what I figured. Um so yeah, yeah. So it's it I think it has a very uplifting ending, but John, you seem to feel a little hesitant about that. Why is that? I felt so bad after watching this movie. I was just like, you gotta realize that. To become a better person, and I mean, it took a whole lot to make the life that he had was yeah. Like this movie was such a gut punch to me, especially at the end. I mean, you know, he he's he cries, he breaks down, and uh, his wife Anna is that her name? I don't think we know her name. I just I in my notes I just said Mrs. Holmes. It's Mrs. Holmes. Okay, uh, Hilda's what, in whatever it was. I mean, she goes. Seeing your tears makes me realize that that you were truthful about what you're feeling, and it's just but these two kids are sitting right there in bed, and it's just like they were this close. Yeah, what a what a gut punch. And to your point, John, you know, I I I originally viewed this ending as very uplifting, but if if you kind of try to play out the reality of what would come next, like. You know, it ends on a happy note, but like in real life, if it kept going, it's like you would still always know that your wife almost killed herself. Like that didn't not happen. It's not yeah. like that's, well, she's, that's right. like she's been carrying she's been carrying guilt this whole time because she left David. But it's like both of them, like and well, and like David, all the terrible things he's done, those didn't yeah. just go away. They, and that, that that was the thing though, is that like like half not even halfway it was like three quarters through the movie is like this twist he didn't realize his wife was a, a part of the salvation army right yeah it, it, like he go well she was a part of it but he didn't realize that he didn't realize that she, she or was maybe there she joined the just after they separated because he like went on some journey 
Yeah, he did. He wasn't originally. They weren't originally from that area. And by yeah. the way, fuck He's that guy for like giving that other girl whatever COVID or tuberculosis. Whatever. Yeah, consumption. Yeah. So that's what's <laughs> fucked up about this film is that like their pants cross, and technically, she gets it from his dirty jacket, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That's right? why and she, she dies, and she dies at the end. She's not a year she later. Yeah. Get, she does. She doesn't die. get another chance. <laughs> I mean, and the main reason that, but she dies, and and. If I'm not mistaken, the the phantom carriage takes people that are sinners, right? But that's the people that because they say we need to get out of here because the people that are coming for for Enid, uh, Enid or whatever. How do you say your name? I say eat it, edit? like eat like eat Edith. It? Yeah, I Edith. say okay, edit, edit, edit. I said edit, like just he, edit my your around. tickets post. But um, yeah. I assume that like angels were coming down to take her. I, to I thought so too. That's what I thought as well. I, I but, assumed it was like a, a separate set of officials exactly. to take care of the good yeah. ones. You know, and uh, and the, the, I think the main reason that George was willing to give uh, David a second chance was because of Edit and because of how strongly she felt for David and how much she wanted to save his soul. She saw something in him. Now, am, am I mistaken that she was in love with him? I, that's what I got. Him. Yeah, so did I. She said, that's so, yeah. the man I, I love. I know, but it's so... They never spent enough time together for me to ever believe that that was a real thing. To so be honest. I kind of feel like... I. But I didn't like, she say that she loved him? Or She did. She did. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if she meant it as like a, a, you know, a godly sort of way. Where like I, She loved her fellow man. Like She loved think, him. Well, she was in I love. Think it, I, she wouldn't have if that were the case. So I think she does love her fellow. Yeah, because there's acting later where there's she's there's knowing glances. She touches his arm like she's obviously into him. Yeah. Well, and like the wording, she says that's the man I love. Yeah. Like the one yeah. man that's the the Which, man I'm in love with. You know, she you doesn't tell say it. I'm in love with, but that police officer man. that she knows, that guy loves her. Right. You can see the way he looks at at. He's at the table drinking with uh, oh. David earlier on in the film. Right. And when she's going around handing out pamphlets and David like crumples it up and throws it at her like a fucking dickhead. Uh, you can see him. He's reading it and he's looking at her with this like look where he's just like, yeah, this is the lady for me. But they never get together, obviously, because she's like, well, first of all, she's a sister. So I don't even know if she's able to. I don't know. Is it? It's weird. So well, can I, we go back I, to I was the confused score about real quick? That... Forbidden. I want to go back know. to the score. Um, was it four acts? that they did i think it was five was it five it's five Mm -hmm. acts because like in between each one it was like a boom 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 i don't think i had that i don't think i had that on mine that must have been specific to yours might have been yeah yeah no it was like a very it it was just more like a drum maybe mm -hmm. yeah Drum beat, I don't, I don't the, think there were any percussion instruments in my score. It sounded like primarily strings, piano, and clarinet. Actually, okay. Okay. Um, is that what yours sounded like, Hyderberg? Uh, I didn't have any. I had no butt rock in my. Uh, my <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck um, off! No Come on, Hyderberg. Your question <laughs> no. about Sister Edith. I at first I thought, oh, she's a nun or something, because yeah. I, I don't I don't know how the Salvation Army works. I don't know I don't either. Know. It's, I know. Like, you go it's to like a religious stuff. affiliation. Yeah. Hold on, I Jacqueline, mean, uh, real quick. I didn't realize the Salvation Army was that old. Yeah. 1921? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I, at I first it know. said like 
a sister with a Salvation Army or something. Right. And so I thought, oh, I guess she's a nun. But then she didn't seem like quite nunly. Like the fact that yeah. she said, that's the man I love. I was like, oh, maybe they just call it sister, but it's not a religious thing. Yeah, I was I confused about like what the rules were for her in terms of like romantic uh, relationships. But yeah, so she loves him. Yeah, I, that, I, I got I, that's what I it's yeah. just weird because they've never really yeah. been it's obvious. I guess she just was smitten for him and she just saw something in him. But it was weird. She also she put that aside when she realized who his wife was so that she could reconnect them. You know, she didn't yeah. she was she didn't selfishly still go after him. She at, at that point, she tried to fix the marriage or maybe she realized that this is what's what will save David ultimately because she couldn't save him on her own. So did you guys know that? that that was the wife? Not originally. No, I didn't realize it till that church, that funeral scene. I didn't know. Yeah, so yeah, I think the exactly. movie does a pretty like, good job of like withholding certain information. Wait, that's the wife. Like, I think. Whoa. I think the mo- the movie allows us allows certain things to be mysterious for a while, like who people are, like who's David and who's sure. this woman that um, Sister Maria brings back to um, Edith's deathbed and blah blah blah. And then we find out late, like we find out everything eventually but well, like, that's what it is yeah we don't know but like i said it's non-linear the storytelling so it, we don't make, know some of yeah. these threads yet and it makes us wait a little while it doesn't just tell us everything straight out but heidelberg if i could i would like to comment a little bit on what you're saying um so i kind of so i i don't think it's fair to judge films or other pieces of art by like the social standards of like a different time so it's like it's not fair to critique, I think, a, a movie from 1921. Based be like, on this it. is sexist. Like, yeah, it's not like I, that's not fair. I don't think um, yeah, I just it. like 100 years from now, I don't think it'll be fair to critique today's movies based on a set of values that we haven't developed yet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? However, I don't like a think... trope. Sorry, like a trope. Yeah, like things are like so all of society is going to change in unknown and in immeasurable ways in the next hundred years. So it's like, we can't, we don't know what we don't know. So it's not fair to judge by future standards. Right. Right. So similarly, I don't think it's fair to judge past films by today's standards, especially one that's like so far removed from our time. Yeah. However, I don't think it's like totally unreasonable to look at a movie like this through some kind of a like feminist lens and see like what you can pull out of it um and i think there are some like kind of troubling dynamics here and i think it's especially it's okay to do that especially because i think some of the things going on in this movie they're not entirely in the past and there are some things going on um in terms of like gender dynamics that I think still happen in today's films that I think are still troubling. Um, So you were kind of questioning this love that Edith professes for David and saying like, that's the man I love. I agree with you. There's not much shown between them to establish a kind of like, it doesn't seem like there's time or enough interaction between them to establish like romantic feelings. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it makes me think that maybe this is like a character who and this I think sometimes happens with female characters who like wants to fix him, right? 
Yeah, it's like yeah, their the source of their love is like a desire to save yep. someone to no avail. Yeah, right. which and is he'll never think, change, but she's still trying to see the good in him. Yeah, and like usually these are re- these are very like one sided dynamics. Like usually the person who has this desire to save the other person. And like, granted, that can like the genders can sometimes be reversed. Like, I yeah, you know, I think sometimes there are men who want to save women, but I think usually sure. it's a it tends a, to go the other way. It's kind of like a female martyr sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but in any case, like the person being saved is usually not really giving much back to the person doing the saving, or like soup, like not you know? totally, like almost oblivious sometimes to what the other person's putting into. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask totally you guys. Unappreciated. And so it's it. like it's a totally like dysfunctional relationship. Yeah. Right. Edith was the one that was sewing up his jacket mm-hmm. when yes. he came to the Salvation Army, right? Mm-hmm. And he ripped it up. He so did, but there was Edith. a moment where he appreciated it and then he looked at her and he put up this wall that he built where he's like, right. I don't give a fuck. He's been pushing people away because he feels like he deserves to be in the gutter now yeah. after he lost well, his family and became a drunk. You know what? Yeah, that probably he makes her love his... him even more or like exactly. save felt... him more. Like okay. he was getting too close okay. to somebody and he decided. That makes like, sense. He rips I it. I thought the same thing. That's yeah. why he's like overly a dick. And that's why she's like, I see through it. I know that you're not. He's overly a dick. Yeah, like you're going, like you're a tryhard dick. I'll be honest. He's kind of a despicable character. So his redemption. He totally. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, he he's really total like, piece he's of shit. his little kids and stuff. He's like just a total asshole. Um, I mean, they but, went hard with his assholishness. He, they yeah. really did. I mean, uh, coughing but, in people's faces when he has yeah, tuberculosis. Yeah. yeah, he's just a his own children. Was it was yes. TB? Yeah, he yeah. says I'm a consumptive, and consumption is is tuberculosis. Yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah, yeah, it was so yeah. Touching back on the the relationship part. Um, so I did. I, I wrote. I wrote basically that down. I'm glad you touched on that. Um, you know, just like thinking that he'll change for the good, and you know, like ult- ultimately, that person almost always disappoints the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. It is normally a trope that it, it's a woman who finds a man who she wants to change, but it's it's genderless. You you can switch it around anyway. It's just you people. Can, but uh, but you tend to see it more that way. And I feel yeah. like women just as natural like care like people. Women care a lot. They want to take care. A lot or fix something and i don't i'm not saying it's a negative I, it's a positive um and just when they see something like that they see the good in it and they just want to they they don't want to just like throw something away you know what i mean sure um yeah. but when you finally do piss off a woman enough she'll cut you out of her life eventually all the way you know what i mean but what? she'll give you so many chances you you see i know but you see that at the end of the movie and then all of a sudden this guy flips it around he cries and it was just like, look, I think that was a little progressive. Look, seeing mean, a guy cry and emotional of like, possibly, I don't know. I was, yeah. a, I was a total dickhead and he gets emotional and just I think cries. he sells that scene. I think scene, he's sincere. Yeah, I, think yeah, he's I agree. I agree. The actors in that scene, they sell it. Like when he looks yeah. up and his and he's got tears welling in his eyes and he put and she's her head is on his lap but like yeah it's it's powerful it's a powerful ending that's it's a beautiful why I like scene so much. i love I think that just... shot i love it. did you guys get the the, the blue to the i get is it sepia mm-hmm. like a pinkish whatever yeah. you, the you saw that? like a, a brownish kind of yeah. like a, a we're, light we're, brown. we're inside it's yeah 
that and then when you go outside it's blue you yeah. saw that yeah yeah okay. but um just i just feel like the, like in realist in real life a lot of relationships they're not always 50 50 they they should be the best ones i feel like are but I don't know. It's not always in a malicious way that the other person just doesn't always realize that how much work one person's putting into a relationship, you know? And I feel like that's just a natural. I, I They just do it very naturally in this film where it felt it felt realistic. It didn't feel like hammy or like I couldn't understand exactly why she cared so much about him, but it seemed genuine. You know what I mean? And agreed. Eventually, in the end, it's it, you know, it works like she has to, she sacrifices her life. Well, she was dying anyway, but like. She could have done because something else him. with her life. Yeah, because of him. Yeah, because of him. Mm-hmm. She, now, I don't know if she's ever aware of that. I think she does. Well, you think so? He coughs on her kids. Hey, dude, yeah. they say that she's been yeah. sick since that day. Since the right. last. I think, I well, think she well, knows co- it's because of him. Yeah, and he I think coughs on his, on his kids. And you're just yeah. like. I think it's so messed up when he's like, like <laughs> come back to me yeah. in a year from now on the next new year. <laughs> And then she says, like, oh, because I want to see who our first guest here, if they've had a change in their life, because I've said prayers to them. And I just think it's so like it's it's crazy that there it's like a, a twist of fate that like he's gotten her sick. So she wants good for him. She wants him to come back and see if his life's gotten better because she's praying for him. And, and meanwhile, then, she's uh, on her deathbed. Yeah, and we've and from what I what I thought the film was gonna do for a moment, and it switches it a little bit. I thought he was gonna be the new death that was gonna end up coming so for her. I. Yeah, because that's where the film was kind of going. But then they they did they give you a little redemption arc where he gets a second chance, which I didn't anticipate to be honest. Like I thought I he was didn't dead. Either. I really thought he was gonna. When the, when the hooded dead. figure comes in the room, I thought it was him for a moment. I was like, yeah. oh shit, he's the new death, and he has to take her now. Yeah, because I just it, thought it, everybody that died got taken at first. It, I didn't. Then I was like, it, no, there's a distinction. Yeah, it's a New Year's version of A Christmas Carol, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Well, a note that I wrote before I got to the end of this movie was strong parallels with Christmas Carol, except in Christmas Carol, Scrooge gets redeemed. And here we know that um, David is already dead. Well, and then I, of course, I turned out to be wrong because I I mean, I thought he was I thought it was a done deal, but yeah, not. And he was on top of uh, the you know, grave or whatever. And it was just like, like throughout the movie going yeah. through this. And then at the very end, you're like, no, he's alive. I and mean, then... I almost kind of feel like that was a little bit of a cheat, like a little bit of yeah. a pull I the rug out though, from under Jacqueline, you. Because... Like for me, it was so heartbreaking. Like, I think the biggest problem was in you being a parent, it's like seeing that this mom was at her wits end and she was going to kill these kids. And then he, all of a sudden he comes back. It it doesn't redeem David. He's going to try. It doesn't it, redeem it, him it, 100%. I, I, I get that. But I, it, it doesn't redeem him. It's just like that mom was at, at her wit's end of like, I don't know what else to do. I can't so, get rid of these kids. I think kids. the movie absolutely redeems David 100%. No, no, no. I, I agree that it redeems David, but it doesn't necessarily redeem him because in your mom, eyes. mom. Oh, was, in your eyes. Yeah. Like for you. Right. right. Oh, mom's sitting in the shack, right? Yeah. So so mom's like, I have no idea what else to do with these kids. They're, they're sleeping peacefully. 
this is how we have to end it. And then all of a sudden he comes in and it's like, hey, everything's good. No, we're good. Because they're going to need some family counseling after this. David's got issues, but like, I feel like his wife too is definitely not a total innocent in the whole thing either. Like, but she didn't do anything to him. Why not? Like, like she got, uh, uh, David got her brother drunk. So the brother ended up killing somebody. No, so he was David, his brother. David, yeah, was was that David? David got David got picked up for public intoxication. Right. I get like that. He was starting to slip a little bit, but we do see happy moments with him and his family, right? So yeah. Yeah. we don't know exactly. And then we, we see do. his, what I think his wife sees him on, on the street, right? Like passed out. So that I feel like that's where she sort of made the, the idea, like in her mind. Where, like, but that's I, why I she ran away. Me, but, I mean, no, it was I, like, and I get that. I get that. Yeah, but running away is not necessarily the answer. Douchebag. Well, she didn't run away. He was in jail for like a long I know, but time. She, and then never said, well, like, wouldn't... she totally left. Well, if you're if your husband's in jail for like ten so, but years, we and you find don't out why he's in jail for a long time. He was okay. ready to get out, and then they they said that you should be in here longer because your brother killed somebody. I know, right, but, but still, like, wouldn't but, you try to seek out a better hey, life and like I'm, give up on this person who's weighing you but down? She's, right. She does feel guilty for it. Right. So I'm what I'm exactly saying is like she doesn't feel thing. innocent. I, I, like I she, think that that she just tried to get a better life. I don't think but she then, feels one hundred percent like she did the right thing either. Is what I'm saying. I feel like they both carry baggage that. Otherwise, I, why would she just I, try and kill herself? I disagree. I think she had no other kids. choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, that's her motivation. But yeah, they never I mean, she David in the very beginning. David in the very beginning is the kind of guy that like you'd have to run away from naturally. No, but 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 he seemed like he was. Not because, until the minute, like, like we see him later on after he's done time, which was right. well, he would pushed on. He didn't even recognize his wife when right. When when he went to that uh, church thing, he didn't even recognize his wife at all. Well, I don't, th- I don't think he saw her. Yes. I don't think he saw her. He I think he did because she was standing right there. It was oh, I kind of thought she was like far away. No, nope. I, I don't. A drunkard by then. I, so. I thought he just didn't see her. No, he was Heikerberg, just. I'm curious. Like, what do you think she should have done? I mean, he was in jail for I'm a prolonged saying, period of time. She doesn't. I'm just saying. Imagine getting out of jail and then you can't find your family or your kids and. They never painted him like as an abusive husband or anything like that. Like, yes, he had problems. Like we saw him get drunk and fall asleep in the street. Maybe right. it's part of the film. It doesn't paint it a hundred percent. Like time wise, too. We don't realize how much time's gone by since he's been locked up. Like I, I wasn't it, sure did he stay locked up, or were they just implying that he should stay in jail longer? Well, because he they, was getting out of jail that day when they're like, Oh, well, your brother's in jail and he's got time to do, but you should do it because you they, stray, you led him astray. Yeah, they could have. They could pay. Then when we see David uh, next, then we see him at his worst. Yeah, we could pay more of a story with that. But I mean, the thing was is that she she had her two kids in her arms, and and this guy was like fucking drunk, passed out on the street. But you could tell. I thought from her acting, she almost like she felt like she was questioning whether she did the right thing. Also, by leaving him, she did feel guilty. I felt for leaving him. And she sure. when she talks to Enid about uh, edit about it, I'm I'm not saying it's not necessarily the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying like she's carrying baggage from the whole thing as well, so she doesn't feel like 100 percent innocent either. And I feel like that's possibly why she was willing to kill herself and the kids also, in the end. Well, I th- I mean I, there's a lot that happens in between well, that though. Like she gives him another chance. Like she takes him back does, only yep. for him to totally fucking disappoint her and ruin yep. everything again and make things yeah. even worse than they were before. 
So I, there's a there's a lot that happens between there. It's not just like, oh, my husband's in jail to like, I'm going to kill myself and the kids. Yeah. Like, no, I get it. But we yeah, see Jacqueline, it progressively worse and worse. Like yep. I just okay, so I think there's a lot that the film doesn't really make clear. Yeah, in, that's in, what like, it is in terms of detail. But see him in the happier times, and I guess the way I interpret is that I I read it as like he was in jail for at least like ten years or so, and it seems like they live in an urban area. They seem like not educated, skilled people. It seems like she probably has to do like menial labor just to earn a few pennies a day or whatever. It's like seems like it's like a hard existence just to survive well, without show a husband that, without a husband providing income right and they show to that like just at try the to end, make a new I mean, life you know she lives in a shack right yeah I it's mean, like a it's hovel just, it's all wooded and just yeah and it's like an know. urban it's like an urban setting so i read sure. that like so this director had made i think like three other films based on books by this the same author that wrote the oh, really? book of this and they're all like kind of rural countryside areas and this one oh, this he wanted to do it because it was like in a slum of stockholm and yeah. so he, he wanted to do like an urban set area and so this is like poverty like urban poverty basically is like the kind of feel that he wanted for it and the kind of story he wanted to tell and so that's like these are like poverty stricken urban people and it's like she i i i interpreted it as like she could not like there was no point. Like, no means. He's like, not helping her survival. Yeah, she needs right. to move on. Yeah. I feel like I just not feel that like she feels film, great about it, but that she's a despicable character. But we get to we do get to see sort of like he in the beginning he wasn't right. Like he was a family yeah. man. He yeah. was a good yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. and then yeah. he slipped. Then when he went to jail, it seemed like he was better when he was leaving jail. But then he got this extra charge put on him, which wasn't his to take, but he took it. And then we don't really see how much times passed between this. So that's why I was sort of like, well. <laughs> You know how I just, did he end up doing the the bid for his brother, and then we don't see what what happened with his brother. No, I we just, never see that. Do it, we? It, yeah, yeah, I disagree. I th I think it was just an allegory. If you get temptations, you follow those temptations. No, he obviously, it. yes. Like, be and because of his depression and stuff, like sure. because of hardships in life, he went down the wrong road because of it. That's right, the, that's the message. Yes. Yep. And he allowed it to let him get to like the worst, you know, rock bottom, and then. Enid, Enid, I keep saying a fucking name wrong. Sorry. Just say Edith. I think maybe yeah. makes she sees easy. the good in him still. Call her Edit. 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 spelled like at the end, slut. I know. I I sense that it's like a variation of Edith, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, I, I I understand you better now, Hydra Park. Yeah, no, I was. I, I get it. I, I, I just I I thought you were trying to say she was like partially to blame no, for like no, no. the spiral of, I, of their family. Yeah, yeah, the I disagree with that. Like I, I think she was like the... in the sense where she was kind of hiding from him too a little bit. You know what I mean? I wasn't sure. Right, she felt more like the uh, fallen angel. The the what's a wonderful life? What's the uh, angel called? I don't, I don't know. know I just know every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Oh, That's all I know. We do. We get to see her. She's. She, we it's see holiday, her early so. on. She's like Other in the very beginning of the film. We see her. Yeah, but she felt like that, right? I don't know that movie. Like yet. she was the she was the angel on his shoulder, not the devil. Yeah, I'm talking I've about seen wife. that movie like once or twice, but yeah, you're talking about Edith, 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 whatever. Edit. Really struck edit. Like with that. edit is what I want to call it, but I keep. <laughs> but um, no, yeah. So, <laughs> I, 
I also I also think a powerful scene is um when Edid pleads to death and David's already dead and he's in the room, but she can't see him. Right. But yeah. she can see death. And like David's yeah. and we get that flashback of what's happened and how because up until that moment, I'm sort of like, well, why does she love him so much? And then we get to see like, oh, they did have more interaction in between the film where they didn't show it early on, where like right. she tried to help him with the Salvation Army. And there was a lot of back and forth where mm-hmm. you can tell she she cared about him. But just like the acting from her, I feel like in that scene, it definitely got me where I was like, man, she I felt like I know she's yeah. just acting, but I was like, yeah, she's what? on her deathbed. And like, she's this is the last thing she wants out of life. No, she's dying. Heidelberg, was it a plutonic love or more of a like spiritual love? For it was him? spiritual because they never actually had. Yeah, exactly right. That's the way I felt. I was like, I feel like she felt and maybe she felt like he was the one for her, but. It's no, weird because I, then he ends I, I up with his wife at all. I mean, what, there, what, there what was, was her no... love interest in him? You she think? was in love with him. I think it was like a desire, a desire yeah. to like save another person. Um, yeah, that's and then what I, I thought. And then she mixed her feelings. I think it was like a selfless. Kinda... Sorry. Yeah, it was just more. Of she kind of like... mixed up those feelings of wanting to save him and love for him, and then sort of. I don't know. And like you said before, the need to want to like help him out and and fix fix this yeah. man. Like she kind of yep. invested in him in the sense where she started feeling uh, strong emotions for him, possibly. And maybe I mean, she no, wasn't we're... with anybody else that we don't see her with anybody else. So right. Well, right, you know, but... we're debating about this. Like, what is she? What kind of love is this? And what does she mean when she says that's the man I love? I I almost wonder if maybe there was like, uh, like a translation issue. Like maybe. maybe in Swedish, it was but, more clear what was yeah. being said there. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like that when, can that can often happen. I when mean, they're in the funeral home and she like touches his arm and grabs his arm and and puts a hand on his chest and she, the the actress because the acting's really good in this film. So I'm sure that I didn't like mistake like yeah. what they were doing on screen. I could tell it looked like she had emotions for him. So I was yeah. just kind of confused by yeah. like how how this relationship. I, was I didn't vibe. Yeah, I didn't vibe that at all. I I'm kind of like, glad that like, they like for me, it was just more of like, you know, she loves human beings. It, it was more like that. It was just more like, like, like I love your spirit. Maybe I, I, I'm not in love with you. Might have longed for him a little I, bit. I, I what? I think she longed for him. I Hyderberg, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I I do get the sense that there was a romantic love there born of a desire for salvation like to save yeah. this person but i also think she was very selfless in that love because as you yeah. pointed out earlier she totally dropped it when there was like a chance for her to get him back together with his wife yeah. and then at the end when she's pleading with death for more time it's because she wants to, she feels guilty for having tried to get them back together because she feels like she made it worse yeah, and she wants to like atone for that, and she wants to like see him succeed. And so it's like but, a very selfless. It's not like I want more time with him. Yeah, but Jacqueline, like, because, like he, selfishly, like I I want to spend more time with my loved one. It's sh- like I want to I want to try to save him some more. Right, right. But that that's the thing is that that she really was pushing for that extra time that he saw redemption in himself to be able to like be with his wife and and, and realize his wrongs right well yeah the fact that he was in the room yeah. and he got to see that um, right she didn't yeah. know that but in a way that... yeah so i guess in a way she did save him because yeah he, she did. He did get that absolutely extra time because of her and and um... then when he gets to see his wife 
when she's about to, you know, uh, kill the kids and herself, that's when he really breaks down. So like this movie, when he first sees the house, just when he sees the house, I feel like the actor was good. He's like, why are we here? There's no reason to be here because he recognizes the shack. Yeah. And that's like, well, we like, have nobody's to stop dying from... here. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, please tell me like nobody's going to die here because this yeah. is where my kids are. Yeah. <sighs> it's almost like when this... it's almost like when Scrooge sees the grave of Tiny Tim. Yeah. And please tell me it's not true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, tell me there's still dream, time for right? this to yeah. change. Yeah. yeah but, uh, this yeah. movie felt so much darker. <laughs> it's, it's a dark just, film. It, it is a dark film. This is not like... like a simple little like light. You know, No, it's not. I, that's what I do like about it. Yeah, um, it, you know, there's no like mustache twirling villain that puts somebody no, on a railroad track no, and like you know, last no, like this is like real human serious. darkness. No, it's, yeah, it's it, with it's, like a supernatural vibe, but it's it's just enough that it services vibe, this you know, movie. It's all about humans. I mean, it you, does. Yeah, I mean, at the you. at the end of the movie, I I did not feel good. I did. Mm. I, I wasn't like, oh yeah. Well, yeah, I it's a redemptive good. arc, but no, it's she sad. was gonna kill these kids with like whatever poison that she was putting in the tea, and I just went. You heard what she said too. She's like, "I have to get all this sorrow out this in order to fucking sucks." that's a good point, Hydroberg. Yeah. yeah, she like she has to cr- even after he's saved, like she's still she yeah. still has to deal to with the other. fact that like with everything that her husband did to her, and that like. The darkness is not John. I I feel worse about this movie. <laughs> not the movie, but like I feel more bleak about the the ending than I did it, before. It, it did. It ended on a good note, but not a good enough note where you're just like, "Hey, happy, happy, joy, joy." The pain is not over. You know, if we're taking this as like real life, the pain yeah. is not over. Yeah, no, life it's doesn't not. work that way. <laughs> well, and I'm glad that it doesn't we, end on like a hey, happy ending. Way, you know? Yeah, the way we can't forget they about ended this movie, it was like can't fuck. forget about. Well, and a couple. This movie fucks, by the way. Sorry, yeah, it but it's, does a, fuck. it's a dark, it's a dark, silent fuck. Um, <laughs> but is. let's not forget about the very intense scene where she tries to lock him up in the kitchen or something and get the kids out oh, of the house and get God. away from him. With the freaking axe? He but she doesn't leave the door. Right? She hesitates. Well, she's trying to get the kids dressed. I'm like, I've never yeah. seen I mean, Let's it does take a long time to get your kids to You're get right, their yeah. fucking socks on and shit. Like it takes <laughs> oh God. It takes me 45 minutes to get out of the I've house just the with everybody getting their socks. But so she he hacks through the door with through the locked door with an axe for for a minute, mm-hmm. I seriously thought he was gonna murder his wife and kids himself. I thought he was gonna murder them. Yeah, I thought I that was that. gonna happen. So when 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 oh when Edit gets them together, I thought he might have done something to her. Wow. Crazy shit happened because I was like, "Yo, he's been looking for her for a minute," and he told Edit, "Like when I find the person I'm looking for, you'll see what I want to do or like who who it is, right?" Because he doesn't want to say what his what he's been looking for this whole time, and then we find out like, "Oh, it's his wife," you know. Um, and then edits going to get the kids from the back. Like, Oh, I'm going to introduce the, the husband to the wife and then I'll bring the kids out. And I was waiting for the moment where like, he starts strangling his wife and then the kids come out and see that. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, there was That's a moment, a thing. Was like a tender moment, but I'm like, he's going to snap. Once That's the her. thing is like, I kind of felt a little unsafe watching. Like I didn't know how far <laughs> yeah. they were going to go. But, and I actually expected. And he looked clean right. cut. So I was like, Oh, right. maybe he's got, he's on the mend. Like he's, 
he looked sure. like in good shape. So I was like, oh, maybe he's been it, it this film doesn't tell you how much time's but progressed I, that well. Heidelberg, it, it was so much worse. I mean, it was just like <laughs> what this man did to this woman is so much worse. Like I loved the way they played that out, like where she was just so mentally beaten down by this guy. Yeah. I mean, so, and God, I mean, there was, oof. Well, it's, so it's, the whole thing evokes it, for me a classic, like, abusive yes, relationship. Exactly um, right. It, it really evokes, like, a classic abusive relationship where this person does things to, like, you know, hurts in some way, whether it's emotional or physical. In this case, yep. it's emotional. He, You know, we don't see him, like, beat his wife or anything. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, But, like, damages another person repeatedly until they are broken down, like you said, John. And and we see this woman trying to escape, just like um, Elizabeth Moss in An Invisible Man. Like, yep. it's, it's the exactly same right. as... Um, you know, um, any any movie today where somebody's trying to flee an abusive relationship and the cynic, I'm not a cynical person. I'm really sort of overly forgiving and overly optimistic most of the time. But the cynical part in me saw this ending as like, well, he seems to feel better at the end. Like, ah, oh, I've been given another chance at life and I'm crying these healing tears and um, everything's going to be okay now. But it's like, it's very him focused. That's, and as John, as you kind of unraveled for us a little bit, like he's left a lot of shit in his wake. Yep. Like the movie is about his redemption. And this is kind of going back to what I was saying before about like, you can't judge a, an old movie by current lenses, but you can recognize certain tropes that still continue to this day. And if we're looking at it through a feminist point of view, it's like, most stories in popular culture about redemption are focused on a man yeah. yep. and not always, but they do often involve like the sacrifice of women for that redemption to be made possible. And in right. this case, Jacqueline, two women are really sacrificed. Jacqueline, you hit it right on the nose. That's so exactly I get, what I, I was I going the, for. I get men being the central focus of the redemption arc because men do sometimes have a lot to redeem themselves for. Sure. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, men are just like generally shitty woman they have as, more to redeem. <laughs> yeah, but using a woman as a, 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 a plot device to get that done, that's that's the that's the main problem with this type of story. And it, but it still happens is my thing. It's yeah, like it I think that happens in this movie, but I think it still happens sometimes. Yeah, and the problem yeah. is is that that you know, okay, guys, you can fuck up so much, but you can redeem yourself. It's tough too because a, a woman, or I don't know, it's like a woman can be a motive, a, a powerful motivator for a man sure. who needs a redemption arc. So it's like I can understand using that, but it, like you said, it's a trope, and at some point, like it's just the, the way it's done, it's it's very uneven. Yeah. So the way, so I agree with you, Hydraberg, and I think where the line should be drawn is where it's like harmful to the woman's own mm -hmm. well-being. So yep, it's yep. like. A woman can love a man and support him and help him, but yeah. there's a point at which that becomes destructive to the person trying to do the helping. And yep. I think that's what's dangerous about this like um, archetype of the female savior or the female martyr, yep. mm -hmm. because it's held up as a character that is benevolent and good. Like, oh, Sister Edith is like, excuse me. 
Sister Edith is such like like she's the sa- she's like one of the saintliest characters I've ever seen on film, right? She's a yeah. quote unquote good character. Like, how could you not admire and love her, right? She like is so selfless and helping and caring and loving. But the problem is, like, in real life, a person like that who only gives of themselves and doesn't, like, require anything in return in their, like, human relationships, like, that person is going to be depleted. Like, that's no way to live your life when you are. Like, she's basically abused. Like, it's pointed out. She's not even his wife. But I think it's George who points out he let, you know, he... A year ago, you wished for him to like succeed in life, and he, in the past year, has let you down over and over and over, He's and fucked over up. again. He's disappointed you yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah, he his totally wife, fucked up. But his but, wife but, has given of herself and like been let down over and over again. And it's like at the point at which it is emotionally or physically damaging to you as the person, that's the point at which it's it's not it's not like healthy. For it's toxic for you to use, yeah, you know, totally kind toxic. of today, right. today's right. vernacular. That's toxic. Yeah, and, and so Jacqueline, that's what I don't it, like about those those archetypes is because it makes you know a character look wonderful and saintly, but like it doesn't really awesome. allow them to be human. Let's go yeah. back to the deeper issue, though, Jacqueline. Is that the wife Anna or whatever her name is, and the two kids? She feels that it it is so toxic. They, they, she has to take their lives, hers and and her two daughters' lives, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's that toxic. It's that bad. Like, that is the most dire it can possibly be. (laughs) That's the point. I mean, it's just like, it's so grotesque. Mm -hmm. I mean, more so than like seeing somebody's face being blown off with a shotgun or whatever. That to me was the most grotesque thing it was like she feels so threatened by this guy so um like like like, this guy is so she's in total despair it's correct utter despair right yeah i mean if you look at her surroundings too i don't i don't know what else to do with my daughters (laughs) she you know she loves her daughters she loves herself but she also loves her husband but she doesn't know what else to do she's gonna take their lives that's Oh my God, that's so heartbreaking. It's like, it's it's bleak. Oh my God. And there's a good portion of David's persona where you could tell some of it's a facade that he puts up because he doesn't want to get close to anybody. But then the rest of it's his alcoholism and then the fact that he's just become this like fucking rotten person through everything. And yes, life can beat you down, but the whole point is that you're not supposed to let yourself get that bad. Where I, that you're I, gonna hurt you, others, you're gonna hurt your family, you're gonna hurt your wife. Yeah, I'm, kids I'm with Jacqueline. I, I don't think David's redeemable, even He's, though they give him a semi-redeemable. I feel like the only ending. thing that pulls it off is the is the acting in the end for me. Because I'm with you, John. Like the whole film, I'm sort of like, this guy's just a dick. Like he's just an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, but he. he I mean, not it, in the it, very beginning it, when we first see him. What? He, like, there's a there's a quality person there that you can see, and we don't get to sure, see sure how exactly he got there right off the bat. But once he gets out of jail, then we see. Yeah, like, but Jacqueline, let me ask you this. And sorry, Hagerberg, I'm not cutting you off, but if you ever got to a point in your life where you wanted to take your kid's life and your own life because 
this person's unredeemable. I mean, is and I maybe it's looking through almost 2023 eyes right now is that it's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's forgive. I mean, if it got that bad, well, I I feel like her 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 desperation and her willingness to take her own life and that of her children is not just because of like the failed relationship with David. I feel like it's because of their poverty and her inability to provide a living and like a a, a maintain a, a standard of living for them. That that's really which of course is you know mainly his fault, but it's not just like oh, I'm in despair because my husband is gone. I think it's, I'm in despair because my relationship is broken, but also I can't provide for these children. Yeah, that's what I got from the very end. It was sort of, she was, um, yeah. And so in, in 2023, I'm a, like a, a middle class, I'm, I'm an educated middle-class woman. That even if my, you know, God forbid, if my marriage were to fail or like my husband were to, you know, die or something, God forbid, like I would still have prospects, like I can earn a living and do earn sure. a living, you know? So like, I just, times are so different. I'm not like, I, I get the sense that she has no education and very few like skills and she lives in like an urban wasteland, you know? Um, That's fair. It, it's, it's a different time in a different country. And it, it just seems like she doesn't have the ability to like provide for her children. That's the sense I get from it without it being explicitly stated. That's the sense I get. It's not just like a broken, it's not a broken heart because of her marriage that's causing her to want to kill herself and her children. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that, Hydraberg? Yeah, I think it's, these are all things that led to her situation. Right. The broken marriage right. and, and the abuse. Um, But I feel like at the very end, it's sort of like, she doesn't see it out. <laughs> I, I doesn't that like make it point, sadder though? I mean, it's. I don't think it makes it any more. It's just it's just a sad situation. Period. No, like, no, no. Absolutely. I'm not saying that it's like funny or anything, but like it makes it sadder that she has no other option. No, I and I get that. Mm-hmm. That's well, how I think she, that's a. That's I how think she feels. She's at her her end, like her breaking point. Sure. Yeah. I I think that's clearly like a a commentary by the filmmaker and the novelist who wrote the novel and like, um. It was a female also. Uh, so. Alcohol. It was a female author, like yeah. alcoholism and like the the like destruction, you know, that could cause in life. But also, I wonder if on the novelist part, it's a commentary on like the position of women at that yeah, time. I think it is, and like inability to like, you know, unequal social status and mm-hmm. unequal earning see, ability. We see that she's dependent on a husband to provide. You know. Yeah, we see Edit, who's not dependent on a husband, but Edit's given but her. She also life. lives a life of poverty. Exactly, she, like she's her life is dedicated life to giving to others. To she's not trying to raise children. Army. Exactly, she never yeah. had her own sort of. She didn't have a love interest like she had a love interest in David, possibly, which was obviously mis- like kind of misplaced. But so even her character, even though she seems happy, she you know she ends her life her her life ends super early. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even she could have had a more f- fulfilled life, you know. So that was a fucked up scene, by the way. Like Which, where he was ripping out, ripping apart the uh, jacket. After I thought that she was heartbreaking. Said, it would totally was. But I thought it was really well acted because there's a moment, absolutely, where you could tell he's touched by it. And I, they could have just went, they could have just breezed right past that. We wouldn't have picked that up, right? But you pick it up in his acting, that like. This yep. this affected him for a moment that he felt a touch of someone caring about him, which he hasn't felt yep. in a while. And then mm-hmm. he and then the dickhead for Stad 
kicks in and he goes, no, no, I like the jacket this way. I don't want you to get close to me. I don't deserve to have anybody close to me because I'm an asshole. And so like it's it's he's aware that how bad he is, but he he it's just like a cycle. He keeps feeding into it. He doesn't want anybody to get close to him. He won't allow anybody to care for him. He won't allow himself to care for anybody. And then the booze just keeps, yeah. you know, taking him down. And also further. he's sick yeah. too, right? The, yeah, he wanted who like he doesn't die from yeah, the consumption. For sure. No, he dies because somebody bashes him in the head with a, a bottle, right? Like yeah, a yeah. Beer bottle But I mean, like ultimately when he comes back, well, I he's like knocked he out. Have a he, w- <laughs> he wakes back up. Oh, yeah, maybe I, he gets cured of tuberculosis, too, that I, he I makes guess. It work, but... <laughs> so, Heidelberg, I'm so glad that you pointed out that subtlety. Like, I think it's important to notice that, like, he is touched for a moment and then he has to, like, shut it down. Yeah, um, Because he I think without that moment, he he would have been that, like, mustache twirling villain mm-hmm. who, like, ties somebody, like, a cartoon villain. Um, the if thing she is had that sees, given him the coat and he had just bullshit. torn it apart. Sorry, what? Edit sees through that bullshit, though. Like, she's yeah. not phased by it. And she tells people, she's like, he's not the monster he pretends yeah. to be. And he, like, mm-hmm. he laughs at it, right? Or something. Isn't that the refrain of the abused woman, right? Like, he's not so bad. And, like, he's oh, he's not he necessarily wrong. Things. But at the same time, do you want to give your life to this person? Like, Jacqueline, this man? Excellent point. I love that. It's a toxic, it, it could be very toxic yeah. to want to give your energy to something like this. Because that's what, because making those kinds Even of if justifications you're right. is what allows the cycle yeah. to continue. You keep going and back at what for cost? more. Like, yes, okay, maybe exactly. he maybe he was redeemable at the very end. You know, John says no. I, I think partly no also, but I mean, the acting of the very end scene just makes me, it's touching. So like, I kind of give an, into it eventually at the very yeah. end because of this, the, the acting. Yeah. And not just on his part, but on Hilda's part also. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a touching scene for me. Um, Hilda? Who's Hilda? Hilda is the actress since Mrs. Home, whatever. Okay, got it. Sorry. Yeah, it was Victor and Hilda with the uh, actor and yeah. actor. Um, yeah. but um but yeah, ultimately edit, you know, what look at what she sacrificed. Like had she not patched up his jacket, yeah. She wouldn't have got consumption possibly. You know what I mean? Like which, she took that risk. Which isn't to say like you should never help anybody. No, absolutely. But uh, like that's I don't think that's what it's saying at all. Like you know, I think we At are supposed cost. to admire her, but I think it's not healthier wise to like only give of yourself and only give to others and never like have standards yeah. for how other people should treat you. Is my and point. like you said, like she's like a fucking saint, like one of the saintliest people that we'll see portrayed on film. Like yeah. the old lady who's coughing into the corner into a rag, she goes over and like pats her on the back. Meanwhile. David's like, why are you coughing in the corner? Why don't you cough at people like I do? Because I don't give a fuck. I'm sick. Why don't they get sick? And it's like, wow, what a great outlook to have. Which I mean, nowadays through a lens nowadays, like speaks volumes still because we're going through a fucking pandemic. Like (laughs) there are many people who do not give a fuck about if they they spread germs to somebody else. Which is like, look, I'm not condemning you for your your thoughts, but if you don't want to do that or if you're coughing, like don't put other people at risk either. You know what I mean? Like you can have your belief. But don't force it on everybody else. Just like, you know, so it's like. You don't have the right to risk anybody else's life. Yeah. <laughs> like, who are you to make that decision? So. So, you're right. It's really not not different. Can we talk on the most glaring thing that this show Good job, guys. I had to pee, so. That's fine. The oh, yeah, audience we... didn't know that. They didn't know that you left. But now they do. Okay. You should have kept Excuse your me. mic on, like naked gun. No. <laughs> like spurts and then you, know, you think it's over but it keeps going um, what were you gonna say Hyderberg? something glaring the, the yeah. glaring thing about this film can we just talk about how it calls us all sluts when it's over <laughs> oh 
It ends and it just says it just slut says slut on the <laughs> the end credits. I was offended. I'm like, what? I was offended. I was just I was like, John, we have to know? reclaim the word slut and take it How back and empower ourselves with it. <laughs> I'm a slut for ain't for old cinema. Apparently, I love you. Welcome back. It means end or over in Swedish. (laughs) Take it back. What the fuck? We're taking it back. We're just male sluts. You could be a male slut. We're reappropriating that word. Um, Yeah, take that one. Got me good though. That that was kind of an unexpectedly funny moment. Yeah, it means like final or over. Yeah, I'm guessing it's pronounced slut or something like that. But so when she Jacqueline, had is it the what are you on the one it? that sent that for, like, for the text? I posted it on Instagram. The... Oh yeah, I sent it in the text. I was like, okay. this, yeah. this guy. Right. I'm glad you did because I, I had it written down. I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm gonna bring it up. You got to bring it up. I'm like, I'm wondering if am I the only one that giggled at it? And then you were like, instantly, Jacqueline, you were like, this made me laugh. I can't help. Yeah. It. I'm like, Thank you. If you follow <laughs> my personal I'm... Instagram, if you follow my personal Instagram, I posted a. She will. She won't follow you back. A, a little shot of that because I just couldn't help myself. It depends. All right. <laughs> uh, but uh, so funny story about that actually. So Joey, I, in, right my life on. has just been a comedy of errors the past week. I was in the hospital, and then we actually had a house fire a few days ago. Whoa! Oh yeah. You okay. One of we're fine. One of the Hanukkah candles fell over, and our Uh-oh. table caught on fire. Um, we we caught it pretty early, but still, there was a fire in the house, and. Uh, was kind of scary and then um oh our, we had car trouble yesterday so i couldn't see my mom for christmas so it's just been like a comedy of errors but anyway so joey was taking care of the uh, car thing today and he came back he got home with the car right as i was finishing the movie so he came in the door and i paused it right on that moment where it says <laughs> slut <laughs> and i'm like come in and tell me about the car so he comes in and he sits down on the couch and he's like going through this long winded explanation of like what was wrong with the car and how much it costs and blah, blah, blah. And it's safe to drive. No, and they did a check of the transmission and then we got to rotate the tire, blah, blah. And so he like pauses to take a breath and I'm like listening intently because I care what the fuck's going on with the car. He takes a breath and he just sort of glances at the TV and goes, slut? <laughs> it's pronounced slute. I believe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but he was just like totally puzzled and like interested, but like, what yeah. is this? And <laughs> he's like, what the fuck are you watching? It got me, man. When it came on, I was like, what is that? <laughs> but it's one of those like very Finn. pretty. It's one of those very pretty looking title cards, like in a silent film. Like the font is very lovely, and it looks. Like kind yeah. of pretty, and it's like, why does this say slut? <laughs> oh God! There were no end either after that. It was just it just calls you a slut, and it's over. It goes, it fades to black, right? This right? movie is an abusive fuck. Yeah, I feel like that was David's last parting words. <laughs> this movie will treat you like a whore. <laughs> the one that got me was slute. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh lord it... is this the new tickets folks you decide it is <laughs> i don't i don't even know where the a came from at the end it's just s-l-u-t but anyway so i guess we're all we're all just sluts if you watch this movie you are a slut oh 
All right, Jacqueline. Yeah, so that, that was the obvious, that was the glaring thing about this movie is the, <laughs> the way it treats its viewers. <laughs> Talk about abusive relationships. Oh, you started anyway. it. Holy shit. See, I didn't start it. Heidelberg yeah, you did. Slute. Heidelberg said that. All right, Heidelberg. Go I don't know where he went, but because Slute was hilarious. Yeah, it caused me to have an asthma attack while recording. So. <laughs> All right, Jacqueline. Um, <laughs> you you about ready to wrap we're gonna this rate up? this? Yeah, yeah. Let's wrap this. Slow All up. right. Yeah, let's do um, it. Okay, I guess I'll go first since it was right. my pick. Um, Slute. I really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I would. Um, in a lot of ways, actually. So as I mentioned before, right off the bat, I was so impressed with the acting and you guys have brought up other um, descriptions of the acting that I, that, you know, described its effectiveness. And I completely agree. I think the acting in this movie is actually a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, I think it's what makes the movie feel um, maybe more grounded and watchable than some other silent films. Now, I, there are a lot of other silent films that I love. But I do feel the acting in this is more um, like understated and more realistic uh, and relatable. And so um, and there, there's subtlety to it. And I think some other silent films that maybe we've seen, um, there's not as much subtlety. The actors are over the top and feel like they have to make up for lack of dialogue with like exaggerated physicality. That's not the case here. I think it's much more um, subtle than that I, and conveys a lot about character. So spectacular acting. I think it is so, so beautiful to look at. Like the photo, forget about the special effects, although those I think are also incredible. And John, you said something earlier about like if you're a person who's like really into special effects, just like don't pay attention to that here because it's kind of primitive and like kind of focus on the story. I would say the opposite. I think if you're a special effects kind of geek, I think it, it would behoove you to watch this film and appreciate some of the groundbreaking techniques that they used for the time, like that it's a really interesting look at some of the early examples and uses of some of these techniques. Um, Like the overlay. Yeah. Like this double exposure. To look like a skeleton. Yeah. 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 So like, for example, sorry, but uh, let me talk about special effects for a minute. So the photography tricks that we talked about, that skeletal look to the horse, it looked like they had like kind of painted or dyed its fur um john you mentioned the um the horse going into the ocean uh so at the moment that that happens we've already seen another example of that double exposure effect where the the ghostly looking carriage and driver who are kind of transparent like we've seen an instant where like the guy walks right through the door there's like a rich guy who shoots himself mm-hmm. and, yeah. and like this kind of mansion or whatever and they just go right through the door like they don't open the door they just go right into the building and he like picks up the body and you see the the transparent version of the the guy who killed himself like lift up out of the physical body like the dead body stays solid and opaque but the transparent spirit like lifts up out of it so you see both at the same time it's so cool so we've already seen that and i think that scene is extraordinarily effective the next scene we see with the carriage is where it goes into the ocean to get the person who drowned or whatever. I don't think that's as effective. It doesn't work as well because 
the waves are kind of too busy looking that it kind of ruins the transparent effect of the carriage and the driver. It doesn't work as well. It's like it kind of just doesn't look as good. But the special effects, I think, are really impressive when you consider that they're over 100 years old. Surprisingly effective. So if you're a special effects person, I think this would be a great movie to watch to see some early kind of techniques. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, just the the look of the movie, I think it's it's the photography is so beautiful. Like the, just the way the the scenes are composed and like the the tints and the clarity of the the shots. Um, it's just it's just really lovely to look at. Like the lighting, I think, is really beautiful and um, like works well for the. I don't know if it's correct to call it black and white photography because it's tinted, but. You know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a beautiful movie to look at. I think that it's kind of a, as we've kind of talked about here, it's like sort of has some timeless themes about like relationships and redemption and how much to give of yourself and the like the difficult, like how hard life is, you know? It's like themes that are human and not necessarily tied to just a hundred years ago. Like they're still relevant and um relatable and i like again i really for much of the film found myself completely absorbed in it without being aware of the age of the film like there are some old films that you like you really can't get past that you can't really like fully immerse yourself in it because it's just too removed from our film today but because of the story like the the universality of the story and the superb acting, I I did find myself very absorbed in it most of the time. So um, I I really commend it based on that. Um, I I do think it the ending still makes me a little uneasy just because I do feel like it's almost too easy of a redemption for David, and I don't know that he totally earns it. Like I know that he he kind of throws himself at the mercy of George because he doesn't want his wife to kill herself and the children. And, you know, I think his emotion there is real. I do. But I don't feel convinced that he has like fully atoned for everything that he's done in his life. And so, you know, you might like listeners might feel like it's a stretch to for me to like kind of look at it with this feminist bent and to like think well this is like a toxic abusive relationship and Absolutely like <clears throat> but i i kind of feel like you know we we see in real life and in pop culture and stories and movies and things like that these relationships where like one person keeps like doing harmful things and the other person kind of keeps taking it and the cycle goes on and on. And it's like somebody can cry some tears and mean them at the time. And somebody can have those moments of clarity where they feel remorse, but that doesn't mean they're just like fixed forever. Uh Like that doesn't mean like we see people fall into cycles and like, or like drug addicts and things like that. Like, you can be sincere in a moment, but that doesn't mean that you're totally healed and you've like changed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so it does it it doesn't just makes me feel kind of uneasy because it's sort of meant to be kind of a tidy, like wrapped in a bow kind of ending. And 
somebody, I forget which one of you it was, but somebody pointed out the fact that the wife still needs to cry yeah. at the end and says, I, I can't feel happy until I've drained all my sorrow. Like she still has tears to shed. And honestly, like if this were real life, they would all need some serious therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it just kind of makes me like, you know, we've seen, sorry to get like super pop culture, but like Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, like they've gone through this horrible divorce. And we saw this thing right after she ended their relationship where he was like love bombing her and doing these like grand gestures of like trying to get her back and all this. And it's like, it all looks very sincere, but it's really like he didn't change, you know? And, uh, I don't, that's just, I don't know why that's the example I thought of. No, I mean, you're right. Grand gestures don't work. That's not mm-hmm. how you maintain. Yeah. Or like right. crying there, tears can yeah. like, it's I'm not saying that his tears of... weren't sincere. I'm just saying that doesn't fix everything. And yeah, so exactly. it just kind of, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that like the wife sacrificed so much without really getting much in return. And then poor Edith, like literally sacrificed her life to try to help this person. And so I guess in a way, like, she did get some kind of fulfillment because I guess her singular desire was to see him or like for him to turn his life around and the way the movie ends, we're supposed to believe that it does. And so I guess if that's her desire, then I guess she got it. But I guess I'm a little uncomfortable with that being her sole desire in life. Yeah. Anyway. So those kinds of things bother me, but again, like I don't know how much I can criticize it based on that. Cause <sighs> Because on the one hand, I don't want to criticize something that's like 100 years old for being like, you know, anti-feminist or portraying like an unhealthy relationship. But at the same time, it's not really necessarily a product of such a different time because we still see those kinds of things today. So I guess I don't know how much to like ding it for that. So all I can all I can do is, I guess, kind of just stay true to my feelings and and say that I'm uncomfortable with that and deduct some from it for that portrayal of, I think like, like overly simplistic portrayal of what I think is an unhealthy um, relationship and some unhealthy tropes. I don't like the savior female or like martyr female trope. Um, So all that being said, I think this is an amazing film. I think it, um, I have some trivia about this, but it was heavily influential to um, Ingmar Bergman, famous Swedish director, um, and many other directors, including Stanley Kubrick. I'm sure that we all caught the like kind of shining reference of him hacking through the door with the axe. I think that was a direct reference by Stanley Kubrick to this scene. So uh, it's I think it's an important film. I'm going to give it nine out of ten axes through the door. (laughs) So that's that's that. Wow. John, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, wow, Jacqueline, uh, that was very deep. Uh, I can't disagree with you at all. Um, let's see. Um, Tropy, yeah, it was. Um, man, this movie really left a mark on me. Um, I didn't feel that George was redeemed at the end. I didn't feel that at all. And that was just my interpretation of the movie. Um, Yeah, he seemed more like a dick. (laughs) Because it's like, okay, now you're crying because your wife. Doubling down. 
<laughs> your wife um, feels nothing else except to take your children because she's in the shitters right now. Um, I don't know. He just he he seemed worst. Uh, I, I I think any horror movie fan needs to see this movie. Um, what is it? Access through the door. All right, and I'll let Hydraberg go. I'm gonna go a ten out of ten axes through the door. Wow! This movie I... was so good, and it affected me so much. Uh, at the end, I just i I felt emotional. I felt like this fucking sucks. But if if, if a movie can do that for you, I think it's doing something right. Right. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, it hit me. It hit me. You you were an emotional I, slut. I was. And <laughs> I don't want to be like this asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a powerful New Year's Eve message, right? It really was. It really, really like, was. Like think about how you live your life and be selfless. And um okay. So, John, does that mean I redeem myself for Poultry Geist? Have I gotten my redemption? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, you this have This movie not. doesn't make up for Poultry they Geist. They even no. each other out. Yeah, fine. Like, they cancel no. each other out. Is no. that what you want them Jacqueline, to do? Jacqueline, I'm, I'm with Hydra. Like, good no, doesn't redeem you. Well, I had to take a shot. But then again, right. Stephen and Leo were on for that show, and I love hanging out with those guys. So <laughs> Absolutely. I'll give you that. Doesn't redeem them pick, though. Okay, because I've picked some bad movies this year, so it makes John me feel good that 10. I picked one he that gave you that gave a zero. A... So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you gave a ten out of ten to something I picked, as opposed to a zero for God. Jacqueline, you. I love this movie. <laughs> Thank you for introducing it to me. I, I really, really did enjoy it. I Thank thought it was a fantastic. So, I'll I'll try to pick good movies in the new year. <laughs> no poultry guest. Okay. Perhaps heard... somebody's gonna pick Toxic Avenger. Hmm. Perhaps. Hmm. Maybe. All right. Hydraberg, would you like to give your review? He's taking his sweet time. He is. No, that's my review. It's a silent review. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, hello. Well done. Uh, I I, I have some spoken word I can give you. That was funny. Um, This movie has a great score. Really good score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sort of bummed out to hear that the score is not original, possibly for like, uh, you know, but like you said, like these, a lot of these films didn't have a score that was cutely cued in with the, the film that rolled. It was like an orchestra that would play along. So like, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, I could see that being a really great environment. They're like, go, imagine seeing this in the theater with that. Like that must've been a, a really fun event. Uh, well, not fun because this is a downer, but um just a great, you know, experience in the theater. Uh, but I think the the score that's put together for the Criterion co- collection that I saw was, for the most part, brilliant. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, there's only one scene, and, I, you know, it's in my cons that takes me out of the film in one part. But um, I get where they were going with it, though. But uh, overall, like, the score is just, man, it is like crescendos. There's moments of, like, tension where it builds on them. But it's not... Like like we said earlier, it's not mustache twirly sort of villainy sort of a score where you get in some of these old films. It was like like hey Hydraberg, did did it feel a little bit like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? 
where it was like the boom boom. I, boom John, boom. we've already established that we didn't get the same score. It was not. Got. It was not percussive at all. Yeah. Mm -mm. Okay. I think so, you got it. Totally no, different it was more like uh, the way I would describe it is like in moments of tension or eeriness. It was like delicate no but discordant string. strings. Yeah, strings. Um, like tense strings almost. Yeah. Like play with the string. Yeah. yeah. Did I watch the same movie you guys did? Almost like as if like instead it was of the pressing we, the piano we must have key, just watched it with different sound with different scores. Almost like instead of pre thing. pressing a piano key, they 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 went and strummed like the string of the piano without pressing the key down. It was mm -hmm. like almost mm -hmm. like a different. It was it I it was effective. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, the story was very effective. It's very heartfelt. The story mm -hmm. I thought I was very surprised. I was taken aback by how much I was invested in the story. Uh, I like the premise of helping your fellow man. I like that. That's sort of the message a little bit um, at what cost, you know, that's questionable. Um, but ultimately, like we were saying, it's sort of like a Christmas. It's like a New Year's Eve take on a Christmas Carol, sort of, which I kind of very dig. much. I bet, Nicole, I bet Nicole would like this. She I just did that episode. I bet Nicole's seen this probably. She's probably done yeah. an episode of fucking Light yeah. and Shadow. Yeah, she's probably bested us. But yeah, yeah it's because she just did an episode of Creature Comforts with Soju, right? Yeah. Their they the their Christmas YouTube Carol. series. I didn't that get a you... chance to listen to it, did you? No, not yet. But they talked yeah, about the book, A Christmas Carol, as yep. well as I think several film adaptations of it. So I wonder yeah. if she knows about it. Wouldn't, it would not surprise me if Nicole has seen this film or is at least familiar with it enough. Yeah, like, she probably does know. I would I, yeah, I'd be very interested to hear her take on it. Um I like the premise of the carriage uh, and how it works, how it how it takes a new driver each year. And that driver works for a, a year, basically almost to redeem themselves it, like they get a redemption arc possibly by working the, yeah. you know, uh, the carriage. And the fact that the time that it takes to run the carriage is a different it, like time goes by differently for them. So, like, it's like purgatory mm -hmm. almost for them. Like, mm -hmm. they're stuck yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and so ultimately, like George, we see George, he learns. He His his soul matures as he's doing that mm -hmm. job because he was taken early because his soul hadn't matured. Like when he died, it wasn't mature enough. So he ended up taking the job. I feel like that's what happens when this this carriage comes and it takes sinners. It takes people that killed themselves, people that like ended their lives early and that their souls didn't get a chance to mature. So it takes them. You know, and it doesn't necessarily tell you that they're going to hell or anything like that. We don't know. I'm, you know, maybe, but maybe this uh, is like a way to decide. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to interrupt your review, but no, it's you're like, right. I wonder if, like, George, because he's sort of like he did mature. Like, I, I wonder he if he gets to go to, to heaven. A better now. place after this. Yeah, and if you don't learn, then maybe you go to hell. I think he I learned know. enough, and that's why he gave David a second chance. Well, I think whether he mm -hmm. deserves it or not in our eyes, that's. But in George's eyes, he 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 thought it was the right thing to do. Right, but I, I I think George actually did redeem himself because yeah. he helped David realize. He's also of one of the ways. reasons that David went down the road that he went down. Right. So he felt guilty about that. He that's sure. why he wanted to help David out. You know what I mean? Yep. He felt compelled to. Um, and I just love that about this. Like, there's some great drama in this film. Um, there's it's super emotional too, especially for a silent film. And that's mm -hmm. due in part to the fact that the acting's phenomenal. Like yep. it really is. Like there's some great acting here. I was like blown away by the acting. I think the acting comes across really well because the clarity of the picture quality was super crisp, at least from the criterion. I don't know what they did to this thing, but man, like this film just pops for a silent film. I was like, yeah, yeah you see the scratches, you see the film reel, but like other than that, like the characters' faces and the definition and like their hair and like their outfits was like 
I was like, man, this almost looks like someone mimicking an old film in modern times with modern <laughs> techniques. I was like, John did, it, John, did it look that good for you? Because I know you didn't watch it on Criterion. Yeah, I was concerned. It did. It, it actually good. did. It, it felt so like somebody different. had a filter on their iPhone okay. and was yeah. filming this movie. So you must have had a, whatever it was, it must have been a restored version. It and I think really they good. did a great job with that, man. And yeah, totally, it, like, I probably, you know, I could have watched the old, I'm sure the YouTube volume or whatever, like, probably has the old version on there. And that's probably, you know, the story is still the same. So you still get that. But I like right. the fact that the picture quality was so crisp. I, I, it just, it helped me out, especially for the performances. I thought you could, I was like, man, these people are acting their ass off. I also mm -hmm. like the set pieces. I thought were all really pretty well done. There's only a couple of them, but they're all pr very realistic. I don't know whether they're shot on scene or in, in a set. It's hard to tell. It's a, it's a, it was a set. It was all sets. Okay. Yeah. The director um, wanted to do it in like the streets of Stockholm, yeah. but it was just for logistic reasons. Okay. It was easier to build sets. Yeah. And uh, they, I agree. Like, they looked good. They do. They do. They look very good. Um, and the lighting's really good too. Uh, I, I I actually I really love the 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 look of the color uh, differences, like you mentioned, John. Like the contrast of amber colors when they're indoors because of candlelight and amber. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah amber. It's, like it's amber better color. than sepia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> and then the the blue when they're outside during the moonlight because there's not a lot of daytime shots in this film. It's mostly mm -hmm. at night. Um, and then the red. Which I guess yes meant happy colors because at first I marked it down that that meant it's not red it's like pink but yeah pink um but I I thought it was just like oh I, at first I not I, I wrote it down like oh this must be what they're doing with flashbacks but they do flashbacks later on that are in that amber sort of color so I think like you're right maybe it was happier times and that's why it was like had that different uh, coloring to it that hue to to let us know that like yes these are happier times and that's why they're they're lit lighter um. And the, I just think the effects are like ahead of its time for 1921, you know, the carriage and the rider, the way they look like ghosts, um, even with the water, like, yeah, like it, it looks a little bit less during the water. Like you said, it's more active, like with the water moving around. And but I think that's just to kind of sh it still gets the point across that like this carriage is supernatural, right? It can it can walk on water. It goes mm -hmm. on water. It can do whatever. It can go anywhere. It even goes underwater. Like we get yeah, an underwater, underwater shot, yeah. right? We can mm -hmm. go anywhere in the plane of existence to get these souls that need to be picked up by the carriage, you know? And it bends all types of like rules of like reality. Um, but I thought it was really well done. Uh, and it was just sort of eerie. It has an eerie tone to it without, it doesn't, it's not superly eerie, but it's just enough, you know, like when he mm -hmm. walks through the, when he walks through the door and like stuff like that. I just thought it was really well done when, especially in the end when Enid's on her deathbed uh, edit, I'm, I'm going to fuck her name up. <laughs> fucking cast. Sorry. I don't know why. Damn. Um, but like when, when George is standing there and like, he takes his hood down, you know, and like he's showing his face to her and, and then she doesn't know that David's there, but David's like so distraught with what's going on. And he's just like, holy shit, like this woman's been pulling for me this whole time and I fucked it all up. And then like, I feel like that's why we get that. We get that flashback at that scene to show us that like what's going through his mind. It was like how much how much edit has sacrificed to help him out, you know, and how much he kind of, you know, she's dying because of him, you know, in, in a sense. So, um. And I just, yeah, this film's very effective in that sense. Uh, I was very surprised by that. I have some cons. One of them, it, it's not, it, it's a silent film. It's not a con, but for me, I'm just not, I'm not the silent film kind of guy. Like, 
I'll be honest, like it took me out a little bit. Um, there, there are a couple moments where I found the film to be a little boring. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, I had trouble staying awake when I was watching it. But the story itself is good. Uh, I just feel like this, the film is a little long. It's an hour and 47 minutes. And I just feel like for a, for a sound film for this kind of tale, that's kind of it's it. I, I don't want to call it simple because that's it's actually a pretty complex uh, tale, um, like the the themes that it's dealing with. Um, it's it, I don't know. It's odd. That I, I want to say, like, it could have been shorter, that there's not much dialogue, but there is a lot of dialogue. And that's also a con of mine is that there's a lot of dialogue that isn't that there's no subtitles for. Right. And so we see a lot of acting and I know we're supposed to sort of fill in the blanks, but there's a lot of acting going on. And that that's, is what makes this such a powerful film is that like the acting is really well done. It's so well done that I kind of want to know what they're fucking saying. And, and I can't see what they're saying. And when they finally do put some text on screen, it's a small little blurb. And I'm like, there was way more going on in that scene. And it's sort of a con to me because I'm sort of like, well, I kind of want to see more. of Like, you could have wrote more on screen. And I was willing to read the subtitles. Uh, but it's also, it's a positive because the performances are that good. Like, they're actually acting their asses off. And like, yes, not all of it's getting transcribed onto into a subtitle but you know there's enough there that their acting is good enough that we know what's going on so you know i could fill in the blank so i get it uh but for me it just i don't know it's like one of the things about these old films that kind of takes me out um especially with a film like this it's like so well acted like i kind of want to hear more of what's going on there was a lot of stuff where i was just like man they're filling in some blanks right now that i wish i i could hear what's going on because the simple text just wasn't filling in that exact tone um, the David Holm character, he's just such a deplorable character. I could never like truly get into feeling for him. Um, like I sympathize for edit for sure. Uh, I sympathize for the wife, uh, Mrs. Holmes uh, and David's final redemption. It wasn't bad. Like, I feel like the only reason it hit for me is because of the act, the powerful acting in the very end. Like if, if they didn't nail that scene, I would have just been like, he's just a total shithead the, the entire time. And yes, Jacqueline, this film does have some issues with toxic relationships. And, um, you know, one, I don't know exactly what the term is for that, that type of relationship, like wanting to save somebody. Um, but it's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing in real life. You see played out all the time. And I wonder if films like this are what keep the, that sort of keep people thinking that they can do that for someone like, oh, I need to save this person. I wonder if sometimes do films or music or stuff like that have that impact on us where we get these ideas from the stuff that we view sometimes, you know, and keeps that kind of stereotype of like, Oh, women need to ultimately, you know, heal their man and save him. Or is it just, you know, women are, are great. You guys are fucking great. So like, it's just in bed in you to want to save somebody like that or to help out, to see the good in a man. So, um, but I don't know. I, you don't want to film like this to just make people think that they can't cut ties. Sometimes you just got to cut ties yeah. with a, with a toxic relationship. Heidelberg, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think that's a really interesting point. Like, to what a, to what extent do like movies and other pop culture like influence what we think our values should be? Yeah, 
Like, like, like we, if you see masculinity, a, like a how martyr, many men see stuff yeah. and think they need to act that way because a movie yeah. shows a man portraying themselves. That and way. I'm not saying it's like a one-to-one relationship that it's no. like, oh, I saw that in a movie, so that's how I should be. But like, if you see something often enough, it becomes like sort of subconsciously embedded yeah. that it's like, oh, that's what women are supposed to do is like try to save their men or like you should never give up on love. Like if you love somebody, you should never give up on them. That sounds very benign, right? And it sounds yeah, very noble. Right. But yeah. that like when when followed to excess, like or followed to an extreme, that becomes unhealthy. And so it's like I just think it's a little dangerous. So I'm sorry, but I think that was a very no, good point that you made That's... to to at least question like does that do, does seeing things like this in film perpetuate that idea mm-hmm. that that's how we're supposed to behave? Yeah. And like, how do you keep like, that's how you get these same tropes sometimes in films as we go along or other stories, you know, other mediums. <laughs> Which is what is interesting because this is a hundred years old. Yeah. And it's showing you that. You know, it's showing yeah, it's showing you this toxic relationship that yeah. you can pick out right now. You can find a relationship that's still ongoing that's just like this in yeah. your life. So I know people in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Great exactly. point, Jacqueline. Yeah. I it, it, you don't even think about it. Yeah, this thing's over one hundred years old and that thought still goes through people's minds. Well, I mean, this I film this? just had an anniversary last year. It's hundredth anniversary, so yeah. yeah. I wish, I wish I had found it last year, and we could have done I still, it. Still, I'm just glad. You, I'm, I am glad that you brought it up to us Me to too. watch. Me um, too. I just think I got you know, one we more thing. Ex- we should all broaden our horizons from time to time. Without no, no. a doubt, without a doubt. I kept thinking about Coffin Joe when we watched this too, because I was like hey. comparing it a little bit to how I thought about. Who Coffin gave it a ten? That guy Who gave Coffin <laughs> Joe a ten. This guy. Oh, this. This, yeah. this one. Sorry. Is that Hyderberg? Um, you're still doing your review. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, because we keep interrupting. Well, I keep interrupting. It's I'm not, not you. I keep interrupting. You're adding to. You're adding to. Um, the score, it's really good, really good. Except it dips in like two parts for me. One of those parts is the scene that we mentioned before, like the Stanley Kubrick shining scene. It just gets real wacky in that scene, and it's the only time that the score does that for me. And I just feel like they were kind of going with these crazy horns to sort of signify like, hey, he's losing his shit. And like, she's also, (laughs) you know, she's at her her wits end and she's losing her shit on the other end of the door in a different way. And it was just sort of reflective of that. And I get where they were going, but Mm -hmm. it just it was the only moment where the score stood out to me in a negative way. Other than that, the score was phenomenal. Um, I'm actually going to I'm going to change my score right now on the fly. And I'm going to, with that said, I'm going to give the Phantom Carriage from 1921, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it eight out of ten slutes. <laughs> that should, that's what I should have picked for the unit of measurement. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because the discussion for this film is was great. Um, and overall, this film is going to stick with me. Even if I like, I'm not gonna. I'm, there's definitely no way that I might probably make this my yearly rota- rotation. No, that would probably I, be excessive. But, but I, if someone I asked I'll... me about a film like, and I wanted, like, this is definitely one I would bring up in a conversation or yeah. want to show somebody. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's the reason why I gave it a ten. I mean, it was just more so of the effectiveness of yeah. you know looking at a movie that really sticks with you. You know, I, I I don't know. It's like movie like um, Seven or yeah. Usual Suspects, where it's just like, 
Yeah, you remember it. And this film's definitely going to be up there. I feel like also, like, to coin a phrase that uh, Rob would use from uh, Circle of Jerks, this film has a lot of cinematic uh, archaeology, as he would yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where we can yeah. see a lot of other films that have built upon stuff that this film might have done without ever, we, you know, maybe we didn't realize that because we haven't seen it. Sure. Well, I mean, I think any, I think anybody watching this film would immediately recognize the impact on The Shining. Like this is, yeah, I, it's like The Shining basically directly quotes the visual, like the narrative of that scene. Yeah, yeah, with the axe through the door, and so. it's, it's got similar themes, right? Of a husband who's breaking down his wife, and and yeah. And a, you know, well, The Shining is about a, a, like the yeah. impact of alcoholism on a family. Exactly. Exactly right. So there's yep. a lot of themes that play through on both these. So it's perfect. It's, it's, it's perfect, Jacqueline. That, that's exactly what it is. It's like, yep. I feel like yeah. if the main villain of anything in this film is, it's alcoholism. Yep. And, yeah. And you think this is like an anti-drinking on New Year's Eve commercial? <laughs> Maybe like, not. Don't drink and drive, kids. It could be. Yeah. Don't I get mean, too drunk at your New Year's Eve party because you might die and have to be the the driver well the, the reason chair. why i gave it a 10 was because it's <coughs> i don't know what five days before 2013 or yeah. 2023 whatever what year are we it doesn't hurt that you're faded while you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um can i say two things that i forgot to say before yes you can say three things okay i'm only Four. gonna say two i'll probably um, come up with more because i always talk too much but <laughs> <laughs> um one thing i i will say is like Hyderberg, you were talking about how the film seems too long and you were kind of falling asleep at parts. I completely get that. And I completely agree that the runtime is too long. And I think the film was doing something creative with the linear structure or the, the narrative structure, which is nonlinear. There's yeah. a lot of like, there's a lot of flashbacks in it. There's multiple like time frames that we're in. And I think there's even like, a story within a story or a flashback within a flashback at some point it's a little hard to keep track of actually it was like is this like a blueprint for inception did this movie invent inception i don't know i keep an eye on like um, david's beard and like his stubble to tell me, <laughs> yeah. me in at what time frame we were on watch his facial hair and you'll know where we are in the story yeah. but mm-hmm. um it's it is a little hard to follow and i think that was like a creative choice um i i think some people sort of applaud it as a as a creative storytelling choice if i'm being perfectly honest i think it makes it a little confusing and i think there's too much of it like there are things that we don't need to be told as stories in it like we don't i don't know that we necessarily need to see like um george's history and like david's friendship with george leading up to this and like somebody's telling a story about David and then David tells a story about George and it's like yeah. too much. It's like, I, I feel like a dream if, within a dream within a dream. Yeah. I think if the, they had written the script as like just a straightforward story, like start at the beginning and tell it through, like maybe we would have had occasion for like one flashback at mm-hmm. some point. But beyond that, I think if they had just kept it a little more straightforward, we could have trimmed off some of that time and kept the, the story a little more focused and a little tighter. Um, I was just sort of amazed that it was an, so, hour, an hour and 47 minutes. Yeah. An older film. <laughs> I, I disagree. Was, with I, you I've guys. never seen a final. I've never seen a silent film that long. Yeah. John, you disagree? I, I disagree. Yeah. I, I think that it adds to the fun of that David and George and, you know, intertwining of these stories, you know, because it made you pay attention to follow along. You're like, 
okay, so I got to, <laughs> and then it ends up being David's story, right? Yeah, part yeah. of it might have just been my viewing. You know, I, I did like yeah. lay back a little bit when I was watching it, so it might be why I, I started dozing off. But I can't blame it. It's my first viewing too. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, I, I was gonna I say now that. that I know what now that I know what the story is, maybe a second watch yeah. it would be it like less. Feel a little long, right? But, oh, and that's yeah. fair. That's totally fair. I get that. But like for me, I was intrigued throughout the whole thing. Like the twists and turns and like the different stories made me pay attention to the movie. So and it's it's five parts. There's five. Like I don't think uh, uh, I don't right. know. I don't know that the narrative needs to be cut into five different segments. But is that part of what filmmaking was like back then? Like was this shown in five segments? Maybe it's early know. Tarantino In, intermissions yeah. or whatever. Like I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that's why they kind of they labeled them that way. You know, because or maybe they maybe you didn't watch this movie all at once. Maybe you only saw part one and part two, and then right. you went to the theater like in the next the next week or something. And so I don't know. Like it could have been. I, I did not read anything about it being a serial like that. Okay. I, I think it was shown all at once. I just think okay. it's kind of like a story, like almost like chapters, kind of like Tarantino yeah. does. Yeah, like Tarantino. Well, yeah, so I, I, I'm not saying it's like a huge problem. I just I do think that for a first viewing, it made it a little hard to follow, and it, I think it not it's for not me. a huge problem, but just yeah, for me, it was yeah. like eh. for me. I'm gonna have no, to bump my score now down a little bit because this film totally rips off The Shining and t- Quick Tarantino. <laughs> and I de- yeah, you can tell, and I just it that bothers me. God, why are you ripping off all those great movies, man? Those great filmmakers. Jeez. The other thing I wanted to say is that. One thing I was reminded of when watching this, I I almost felt like this was like a long Twilight Zone episode in that it felt like when I was growing up, I I don't know why, but I kind of thought of the Twilight Zone as like a horror thing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people tend to automatically think of it that way. But if you if you really think about it, like, yeah, there are some episodes that are frightening, but really most of the Twilight Zone episodes are just like little mini morality tales. They are. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're mostly dramas, but like they often have dark elements to them that kind of give them a horror flavor. But a lot of them are kind of like sci-fi flavored. A lot of them are Western flavored, Um, but they do usually involve some kind of dark elements or dark forces. But really, at their heart, they're not exclusively uh, horror tales. They're they're morality tales, and this felt very much to me like a long Twilight Zone episode, and that was like. A morality tale at its heart that had the trapping it had like kind of gothic trappings yep. um like i would still put it in the horror category and like something i agree strongly with um andy from the straight chilling podcast on is like labels are not terribly interesting it's just like human beings desire to want to like categorize and make yeah. sense of things but really it's not particularly meaningful um not an interesting conversation to have. Like I would throw this in the horror category, but I think it's at its heart. It's also like a morality tale. And that's where like the story comes from. I I, I don't know how many of us brought it up, but the cinematography of this movie was really good. There there was those shots or especially one shot where it was blue. It was edited well too. Yeah. Where you saw the carriage just going over the hill. And it disappeared. Yeah. Uh, to me, that was a poster yes, art. I wrote that, that in my notes, John. Yes. Yeah, it was a really brilliant shot. And, I, and what I, I like about that is... Went, that was so beautifully shot. In 1922, I was like, man, it could have been done today. The carriage is the constant. 
The carriage I'm, is the device that's used to transport the souls. The driver. No, no I understand that, but I mean, right? so we I, never focus on the driver as much in those shots. Right, but, but specifically the one where I don't know if you guys saw. Wait, was it blue? In mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And the silhouette it's of going the over the hill. Black. Yeah, and it's it kind of disappears like over the horizon. Yeah, it's like in wheat or wheat field or something, and it yeah. just and it's like a wide. It it's a wide shot, so the carriage mm -hmm. looks pretty small yeah. in the picture and the, was, the ground like the bottom half of the frame is like very dark it's like black yeah. and then the yeah. top half is very blue it's like a stark outline yeah it was so beautifully shot yeah oh it gosh. was it was uh do you I guys got want to something some behind me trivia yes ready there's not, a, there's not a ton but i do have some interesting um it's not a ton facts. you've had since 1921 to put together some <laughs> trivia <Jack. laughs> I have a hundred years worth of yeah, trivia. You gotta have Jacqueline, what the hell, man? Get your shit oh. together. Please excuse my coughing. I'm so sorry. Um, I've, as I've learned, the nighttime coughing is a symptom of the asthma. So I, I apologize. Um, I'm being treated. helps with asthma, by the way. <laughs> okay, so Ingmar Bergman watched this film at least once every year. Um, although it says he he used to watch it in the summer. I don't know why he wouldn't watch it at New Year's. Um mm. But he would often watch it alone, or sometimes he would watch it in the company of younger people to show it to them. And oh, nice. he stated he stated that to him, this film was the film of all films, and that it was a main influence on his work. Mm -hmm. So, like Ingmar Bergman, one of the greatest film directors of all time, cites this as like the biggest influence on his work. I think that's like amazing. That's awesome. Um, Charlie, I can Chaplin. watch this every year. I can watch this every like New Year's. Totally. Well, especially considering there's just not that many New Year's movies. Like, you know, this could this could be a a, a contender for Probably. you know good rotation. Right. Could have been a contender. Could have been tickets. a contender. Tickets. <laughs> I got your ticket. Can't watch this tickets. movie unless you give me your ticket. Uh Charlie <laughs> Chaplin stated that this was the best film ever made. Wow. So a lot of big names Whoa. have this as a favorite. You know what? I can't I mean, having not known anything about the film prior to this, like I can't be like, oh, yeah, I've always known about this film. But having seen the performances and its craft, like, I feel like this has got to have st stood out amongst the films of its era. Like, sure. I, th there's other films I feel like probably just get lost in the silent film era. Of like, yeah, they were fun to go to the movie theaters to see. But this was like something where I feel like when you saw this, you probably like, I'm seeing something different right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, do, I think it so was like an important film. Evolution yeah. In filmmaking. Yeah. I've never. Yeah. I've never heard of this movie. Until Jacqueline put it on I love the pocket name, and said, "We're watching or at the least Phantom the, Carriage," and I went, American name. "Okay, yeah, I have info about that too. Different titles. Uh, it should have been heavily censored due to its supernatural content, in accordance with the censorship guidelines at the time. But the board of censors decided to leave the film intact rather than risk a dispute with Selma Lagerlof, who's the author of the novel and um, yeah. I think helped with the screenplay." Mm -hmm. So okay. they didn't want to get in a fight with her, so they just let it let it, it ride. A boss chick, you know. They yeah. were like, you know, we don't want to mess with this lady. Selma, Selma, so Selma knows what's up. Um, so the director, Victor's um I I heard a little video of how this was pronounced. Victor Shiostrom. Hold on. This guy This guy directed it and acted in it, just like we did with Coffin Joe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so the director, Victor Shro 
Sjostrom disguised himself as like a poor man and spent time in the slums of Stockholm in order to prepare for this movie. I think that came across. I do think. I think it was like a like a Same. moving yeah. portrayal of poverty. Okay, I love this fact. Uh, Victor Sjostrom traveled up to the author Son- uh, Selma Lagerlof's house to read the whole, to basically act out the whole screenplay. He like nice. acted the whole story out for her, how he wanted it to play out on film. And sure. it took two hours. And at the end of it, he just like collapsed on her sofa with exhaustion. And it says that she stared at him for a long time and then <laughs> offered him a drink and which he took as a sign of <laughs> approval. <laughs> So he basically did, he did like a one man show. Too? Yeah, he he did like a one man show of the whole thing for two hours in her living room, and then just like <laughs> fell over on the couch. That's <laughs> awesome. I love that. That proves my point, though. If you can act this out as one person in two hours, then you can cut it down to uh, under a, an hour and forty seven minutes with multiple actors. <laughs> Dude, didn't need to. It was good. So the special effects were mainly done with double or more exposures in camera uh, mm-hmm. because optical printing was not available until the early 30s. I don't know what optical printing is, but I'm sure there are people out there who do. So mm-hmm. for those people, now right you in. know. Now you <laughs> it wasn't invented until the 30s, so they had to use multiple uh, exposures in, in camera. It says also several layers were used to enable the ghostly images to appear to walk around in three dimensions. In other words, sometimes there are objects in front of it that are opaque, and sometimes there are objects behind the carriage, and you can still see them. wonder how they capture the multiple layers, though. Do they they layer multiple film and then then kind of film that? I don't know know how it works. How do they capture all the layers? They can't just hand out a, a, a real film that has multiple layers. Like, is it just... Is that how it was handed out? Right. To I'm sure it's like it? how it's edited or something. I don't know. Like it didn't look I'm bad. I'm sure they're film all. geeks. No, no, it, it looks beautiful. So good. Also, we don't know it, what it looked like originally because we didn't watch the original. You know, it was touched yeah. up. Maybe. Like, yeah. That's what Criterion, Criterion is known for. So, But I'm sure there are film geeks out there who know how this whole process works yeah. and, and would understand what that means. But I, I think it, how it, whatever the techniques were, I think they were very effective. You know, in, in our 20, almost 20... 23 brains it felt like somebody took an iphone and was able to do that it felt like a robert eggers film almost like Mm. you know this deserves to be remade by robert eggers holy shit well he's already redoing nosferatu i just shit my pants thinking about that oh my god (laughs) we'll give you a minute if you want to go change doing that no i'm good i'll squish Uh, around in it the scene the scene where David Holm first hears the carriage approaching, which I think was very eerie. Uh, I think he's that's when he's in the cemetery, right? Yeah. And he hears it coming. Would later inspire a similar scene in the movie Wild Strawberries, which is an Ingmar Bergman film. So he kind of mm. ripped some um. of this. Uh, where the protagonist, Isaac Borg, also played by Sjostrom, dreams of a squeaky carriage that holds his dead body. So he's like... Yeah. Ingmar Bergman is like ripping stuff from this film. It's like, yeah. this that's is an that, important film. That's cinematic archaeology is right. It, it is actually, yeah. 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 Um, post-production took nearly five months, which was a very long time for the period, but because of all the effects that they were doing, it took uh, an exorbitantly long time. They still like got the it out. And stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's short by today's standards, but yeah. for back then, that was a long time. Oh, what so point was John, it on streaming? Though? Sorry? At what point was it on streaming? 
once it got <laughs> It was a joke. Brunch. Sorry, I'm... I was already reading ahead to the next break fact and wasn't like falling. I apologize. Um, in 2005, so John, maybe this is what you heard. In 2005, the Norwegian heavy psychedelic rock band We, who have never heard of, made a live soundtrack to the movie while screening it in the atrium at, st- oh God, Studentersamfundet. That's someplace. Hold on. In Norway, I it's guess. It's pronounced Erdiger, <laughs> And we've just work, alienated work, work, work. all of our work, Swedish work, work. bands. Yes. Um, they wore cloaks and vocalist Thomas Felberg sang the written passages in between scenes. So I almost wonder if that was recorded somewhere and that was what you saw. That's Did it probably, sound like heavy metal it, it, or heavy it, rock? It, it was a. It was almost like a, a dirty guitar sound, like a very grungy, uh, oh. dirgy. Does that make sense? Know, like, like almost a very slow kind of. Hmm. You've got to figure yeah. out where you watched it and let us know. Cause I kind of want to hear what this score sounds yeah. like. Oh, um, so this is included in that kind of famous book, a thousand and one movies you must see before you die. And it is the earliest Swedish film included in that book. Okay. Uh, this film has a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 15 critic reviews. No, 16. Oh, was John, it 16 John went on there. Oh, are you a critic, though? You're an <laughs> yes, audience. I don't You're know. Yeah, we have I'm a podcast. You're an Uza. Uh, yeah. The famous Here's Johnny scene in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining was a tribute to the scene where David Holm tries to get his wife and children by chopping down the door with a hatchet. So that's confirmed. Uh, did you notice there's a point where he turns the hatchet, he turns the axe backwards? I did. No. I didn't want it to just seems like, like I've ranted it, about too many construction tools recently. Yeah, it was almost like a oh, God, almost like a mistake or something like that where he was trying to like it's yeah, not opening. It. It's not he just started oh. using the blunt edge. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Good yeah. good catch. Yeah, I did see that. Um, I find this unbelievable. The script took eight days to write. Wow. Wow. Well, I guess when you're not writing any words, like, but there are words. There are, there are. I feel like there was a full script. We just don't get it all because they, I don't know, man. The actors are playing out. There's a lot of dialogue in this film, which is why Mm -hmm. I can't. It's hard to bump that it's it's a long film because it does have. It seems like it has the amount of dialogue that a film of this this length might have. Mm-hmm. But we're just not getting all of it transcribed. Mm-hmm. Onto I think that was just kind of the way they did it back then. Like the, yeah. the actors are supposed to be saying a lot of stuff, but they just kind of pick, they just pick the highlights for the audience, like enough to tell the story and propel it forward. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the they're the giving script... real dialogue. It seems which makes yeah. Sense. Did you guys put like... the subtitles? Of what I was saying? I, I wasn't looking. I stopped. I stopped listening, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> John's over there just talking silently. Uh, yeah, so the script took eight days to write, and then shooting took place for about three months. It was from May to July in 2020 um, in Sweden. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, I already talked about that. Oh, so here's kind of an interesting thing. So the Phantom Carriage was released in Scandinavia in, on New Year's Day in 1921. Hmm. In the UK, it was released under the title Thy Soul Shall Bear Witness. Interesting. Uh, the following year, 
Metro Pictures Corporation <laughs> re-edited and released the film in the U.S. under the title The Stroke of Midnight. Now, this version of the film alters the narrative structure. And so the, the story about Death's Carriage, you know, which we learn, like, we learn the rules of, like, what it does and how and all that. Yeah. It does We don't even hear about that until, like, halfway through the movie in really? the U.S. version. Uh and this is what felt this was what premiered at the um Criterion Theater in New York in 1922. That's weird. I kind of like the name the thy shall the thy sh- thy soul, soul shall shall bear witness. I think I that's love clunky. that title. Yeah. I think it's clunky I like the and Phantom Carriage. I like the Phantom Carriage. And I don't like the stroke of midnight. Nature to no, the no, Carriage. I don't like I that either. Like so interesting oh. that you say that, Hyderberg, because one critic said that all those different titles reflect the fact that nobody really knew how to categorize and market this film at the time. Like people were having trouble, like studios were having trouble deciding, is this like a horror movie or a thriller or a melodrama or a like a religious story? Like people can't figure out how to... I mean, all of them. Yeah, but like mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. It's a melange. To market... it, is, <laughs> it is a melange. But like when you're marketing Rob something, Zombie you want to direct the remake. Oh shit! You got. We almost didn't get it in. No, Damn. I had it planned, but John kind of hammered it in there. But that's fine. Uh, so, but I I think that's not good it. in terms of like when when studios are trying to market something, they want to like identify it as something so that audiences know like this is for this audience and this is for that audience. And so yeah, I think there was like some like confusion. That. Just just show it to the audience, and if they don't get it, they don't get it. Like. I think when that happens, edit. it doesn't tend to be financially lucrative. That's <laughs> fine, but this is True. a you don't they don't edit books. Well, maybe they do, but I don't know. Do they tend to edit books like that? Not yeah. edit them, True. but like market that. Like if this yeah, is okay, a, so they change like, like, covers. They change like covers think, a lot. Yeah, books, like things or like yeah. how they're kind of or movie posters. They change how they're kind of described to consumers by marketing yeah. companies, you know. And so, um, but yeah, like things that are melanges, I think are harder i think or at least marketing people think are harder to sell to to me that's what makes this film what it is but you're a sophisticated viewer oh absolutely yeah oh yeah but like i I think hey you'll never hear that ever ever i'm I'm very sincere (laughs) when i say that but you, you are you're a sophisticated viewer but like but I don't know. I like. I think maybe marketing companies underestimate the intelligence of people. But then again, like I don't know. Do the numbers lie? Like things that are kind of more uh, yeah, blurred at the edges. Like maybe. I mean, I don't know if they do pull in the same kind of numbers. I don't know. So whatever. Yeah. That's not for me to decide. But that's the end of my trivia. The end. Beautiful. <laughs> Silent claps. Sorry. Yeah. So next week, yes, we're gonna my change change gears heavily. Time, time, time. It's a new year, new me. Wait, and, it's uh, 2023, isn't it? Yeah. Next yeah. week it will be January 2nd when when we, when next year. we meet. Fantastic. So Hyderberg, what is the film you have chosen for next week? Next week is my pick, and I picked Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan from 2010. All oh, right. Fuck. Cool. It's been a yeah. long time since I've seen that one. Me too. I've only seen it once. Really? Yeah. I'm 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 happy to get a an opportunity to watch this again. His I films, think I've seen it three times. He he makes films that sometimes you don't want to watch more than once or they're, True. they're tough to watch right away. Hello yeah. Mother. That is a yeah, film I never I need to see mother again. Twice. I actually really do enjoy it. Oh, he did Mother? 
He did yeah. Mother like the one with the, for a Dream. What's her name? Jennifer Lawrence and Javier yeah. Bardem. Oh. Yeah, the first action. Fuck uh, that movie, by the way. Yeah. It's a movie. I think it's a great movie. I think I, it's, I, I it's agree. so intense uh, that I don't want to watch it. It's hard to watch. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to watch. It's a tough watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but uh, uh, but Black Swan does not fall in that category. I I enjoy rewatching that movie. So I'm yeah. very happy that uh, you've given us an opportunity to talk about it next week. So. Cool. Way to kick Black off the Swan. new year, Hydraberg. Thank you, yeah, buddy. I think thank that's you, a nice way you. to kick it off. Yeah. So uh, we will be watching that. In the meantime, if you want to share your thoughts with us about the Phantom Carriage, I almost just said the Phantom Toll Booth. That was a blast from my childhood. <laughs> uh, the Phantom, ca- maybe you pass through the Phantom Toll Booth when you're driving the Phantom Carriage. That's how you call the Phantom Carriage. You use the Phantom Toll Booth to call that's it. That's a phone booth, you dope. <laughs> Or if you want to see Heidelberg's <laughs> undercarriage, yeah. watch this. Nah, His phantom know. undercarriage. Yeah. Way to anyway. gross this out in the last five minutes of this podcast. <laughs> if you'd like to share your thoughts about the phantom carriage uh, or share some <laughs> thoughts about Black Swan, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at least for now. Uh, at Cut Above Horror. Not uh, so sure you, I want to stay on the Twitter, but that's not yet decided. You can Turn follow up. us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. And follow us on Facebook, a cut above colon horror review. And we want to say a huge thank you. It's been a fantastic 2022 for all the reviews that we've gotten on iTunes and on Spotify. Keep them coming. We're at that perfect review at uh, Spotify. We're yeah, at 19 year. reviews now. Like 20, I think. 20? Uh, I got I to gotta give a quick plug. Oh, go ahead. Quick plugs. Um, Anna was on the show last week. Yep. Anna Presley. Um, uh, she came in last minute and helped us review Krampus. And she has a candle, uh, homemade candle um, business that she does. And she didn't get a chance to plug it properly. And I want to plug it for her. It's called House Anna's House of Wax. It's like a play on the movie. What an awesome name. Yes. And you can find her on Etsy. And she's also on Instagram. She's on Facebook. She has a page on all those. Um, she makes some sweet products. I've seen it. I'm seeing the process that she does that she puts into creating them. And it's a labor of love for her. And I think you should check it out if you like candles. They're all yeah, movie- a few people on the really Slack, cool. a few of our Slack friends um, have some of her candles. And they I said do. they're absolutely amazing. They look like that really the cool. scents they're are beautiful. For the environment. Yep. It's all they're all made out of soy and no like mm-hmm. toxic ingredients. Yeah. I also gave a plug real quick. Sure. Yeah, yeah. To my fellow co-host, Jacqueline Hydraberg. I love you guys. It's been a fantastic 2022. Yeah, Looking forward to 2023. Uh, you guys are so awesome. Uh <laughs> Jacqueline, so good to have you back. Thank you. And, Sorry uh, for coughing everybody's ear. <laughs> you've been killing it, my friend. Uh keep it up. Thanks, man. Let's uh let's uh, make 2023 even better. Yeah, I love you guys. At, I second that sentiment, John. Yeah. We're we're looking at episode 100 coming up this year. Yep. We and have a lot of things planned this we're year. We're going to do something special. I think we're going to do a watch along party at some point. We have that. Yep. We have a couple collaborations, uh, mm-hmm. crossovers with some other podcasts. Fucking A right, well. man. Some new guest hosts will things. be joining us this yes, year. We do. Yes. Yeah. And then of course we'll have Nicole on. Yes, the fifth deal. <laughs> For the nine millionth time, yes, we'll have Nicole on. 
She's basically uh, one s- of us. Google one other models. plug I just want to plug real quick is uh, 100 Horrors. I've been listening to a lot of their show recently. Okay. They are been, That is a great show. It really yeah. is, man. They do like 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, um, they're little bites. Episodes. They're so they're easy to listen size. to. They're banter. They're, they're, you can tell they're all friends. They're yeah. British. Oh, yeah. so they bring that British humor that I just, like, as an American, like, just makes me laugh. Like, I love it. Um, oh, bloody I don't hell. get every, like, bloody type hell. of... Yeah, I don't get all the words that they sometimes use, like, the phrases, the slangs, but I love it, and I want to look it up. And I'm love just, like... Guys, yeah. They're great guys. Slute? Yeah, Slute. I've been keeping, like, in contact with them online, too, just about, like, how much we love their show, and, like, they're secret listeners of ours, also. Um, and just... It's a dirty I little secret. They don't like to admit that they listen to us. I've been them. That's dirty. That's naughty. Yeah. So or, as I would say, I've been listening to don't do that. It's almost naughty. all their episodes in the past like month and a half. Oh geez. Wow. Yeah. And they're up. very short. I've only listened to maybe ten. Yeah. What uh, I love but... about their show is that like I don't necessarily agree with their opinions on some of these films. But I love the banter. It doesn't matter that like so, I don't get upset like oh no they totally trashed the film I like. There's like here. one that made me really upset. Yeah, I there's guess. a couple. There's a couple. As you go along, you'll. There's a couple where I'm just. I like, love them, but please. one t- one time they had an opinion that I was like just <laughs> I I almost couldn't cope. <laughs> yeah, but like I almost say I just love the way they deliver that though. Yeah. So like yeah, they'll they'll something rubbish, that. and I, I'm just I like it's not. you guys. One hundred oars. Don't, no, no, don't, I won't go that far. No, 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 no. I'm, just, ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love you guys. Just but I just want to plug them because I feel like they put out a great product and they should be, uh, they have a cool premise, you know? Totally, yeah. totally. Nice. Well, so the premise, what is the premise, Hydroberg? The premise is that they have, it? one of them owns a poster that has like a scratch off 100, like the 100 best horror movies that you can watch and they review one horror movie each week. Yeah, uh, so these are all like classic, you yeah. know, kind of well. Although I some choice, it's like you know, anytime some you have like, a list choice. like that, it's like where did who made this list and like exactly. why is this included and not that? But it's or a whatever. cool idea for a podcast. Yeah. As and long so, as Rock and Roll Nightmares on, on there, oh, I'm sure that's number one. It's spoils not. of horror. So they're almost done with the hundred, and I they they, I know they have a plan for what to do after that. I just don't remember what the. I don't know if it involves a poster. It's not like the it's not like the podcast is just going to end. Thank goodness. I hope not. I want to hear what they're going to keep yeah. doing. But um, yeah, the, the poster is finite. So and I would I would be honest. I would love to collaborate with them. It's going to be it would Same. be tough because they're on the other side of the pond. But yeah, um, maybe one day we could figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, they can just record at two o'clock in the morning. What's the problem? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you so, blokes. Yeah, that's it for my plugs. Get off your ass. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, if you want to follow us on social media, you've got all our socials. You can email us, whatever. But reach out to us. Keep in touch. Reach out and touch someone. Reach yeah, out I still didn't get any of them emails, us. guys. We didn't get any emails last week. Yeah. Nobody emails us, but I think we do get like a fair amount of like social media engagement, we which do. I appreciate. We do. I, I like yeah, that. We do. So we'll love see you, you guys. Love you. Yeah, love you guys. Thanks. Thank you to all of our listeners. And I hope you stick with us in 2023. Mm-hmm. So. Guys, next time we see each other, it'll be 2023. Happy New Year. See you guys next year. Be safe. Oh, fuck. I was going for that. I had to do it. Rob Zombie. Happy. Oh, God. Happy New Year. And we'll see you (laughs) next week for Black Swan. And keep it slute.